your idea because you had that mishap with Sander's episode, right? Oh yeah, with that's right with Sander. Yeah. yeah. So how much like did you actually record? About double that, I think. I think yeah. there was a second part, but fucked if I can remember what it is <laughs> that we were talking about with Sander in that second episode. So okay, I've got your levels little there. Uh, you got that nice deep voice one, there. One 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 two 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 three three four. Cool. It's interesting what you said about when any of us get on these podcasts and if we mention anything illegal, am I peeking? No, I'm not peeking out from that. Um, I mention anything illegal or, you know, something and one of those is smoking weed and you were talking about before, like, what is it about me? Um, if I say I'm smoking weed, I mean, I'm not a citizen. They can fucking... You're out, Captain Kangaroo, anytime you want. Um, I also considered it from the angle of that's my career as well. Mm. And nevertheless, that's a career... I I just want to say that's also the career of Comedy Estonia too. Like, (laughs) if I'm not getting hostings... (laughs) uh, So, yeah, I thought about that. And if I'm doing work in Estonia campaigns and stuff like that, and then what is this other image over here? And I really thought a lot about it. And how does that affect, you know, could that affect income and image? And what does that mean to change your yeah. image? And because I'm, I, and I eventually decided to just be me, yeah. to just do my thing. Yeah. Because otherwise what I'm doing is hiding a part of myself for a threat that I don't even know about. Mm. Um, like I just, we just made that idea up in the idea that we're so self full of ourselves as comedians that we think that anyone would give yeah. a shit yeah, about what we're <laughs> saying on this little thing. I think uh, there's sort of like like an interesting dynamic that uh, as we get to, you know, we're invited to do like some, you know, quite, you know, fancy like gala show. I guess you're invited to host and mm. we have this public persona. But at the same time, we do as comedians have this, the real comedy that we do in like these open mics is quite dirty often and, you know, on subjects that we wouldn't really, mm. really say, uh, uh, you know, use on those uh, in polite society he wouldn't talk about those things or anywhere off that stage anywhere outside of that particularly if your name is fucking Oleg Kalinkin then (laughs) then, no then again he would say that shit off stage so right what can you say in this that rectangle with the bright lights and the audio that's different to everywhere else right so I guess in that way yeah with that work that I've been getting and I'm happy for that and I like doing that and I'm, I'm proud of that job for work in Estonia and all that stuff I don't want it to go away. I'm not trying to be like, fuck the man, fuck the police, all this shit. I'm not trying to make a stand or anything else. I just decided this is the bit I want to do here. And I would just hide a bit of myself away. And we're having fun. Fuck it. Um, But yeah, also that not only is my work, but I'm not a citizen here either. So there is legal proceedings and so forth. But that's, I mean, that's my joke now. I just want them to throw me out. That would be hilarious. I'm going to Latvia. As soon as you know, you, comedy lap is going to be huge, baby. Just you wait. <laughs> you, th- you think they're ripping you off for alcohol? Just you wait till I end up in Latvia. I'm coming for you, Fox. We, we're going to have to go to like <laughs> Latvian open mics. And stuff like that. It's just terrible. <laughs> think about the bucket expenses for all the buses there. <laughs> to come back. Take so, the plane. So my, my hope was that, yeah, if we're just like calm about shit, because I think then there's a difference of like rubbing it in. And this is also, I mean, you brought it up, not me, but this is the first time that we've spoken about these topics, like within the first 10 minutes of a podcast. Also, I kind of buried them down a little bit. Yeah, I thought it would just be like a pre-podcast sort of Mm. question. Oh, if I can turn it on, I don't care. (laughs) No, it's good. It's good. Uh, Yeah, so I don't know. I just trying to have faith in people, 
trying to have faith that you're not rubbing it in. You're just doing a thing. We're having fun. Nothing else is going on. And uh, that people respect that and they say you're not being stupid. And if you're not like waving it around, like making, I'm not like trying to be a fucking crusader for it or any shit yeah. like that. So, uh, yeah, this is welcome to the next episode of Comedy Guy with Lewis Ezra. And this is our long rambling introduction that we almost never got to unless the guest reminded me to do an introduction. <laughs> so I'm glad I've got, and my, my guest today is Ardo Asberg, who is one of the members of Comedy Estonia, uh, one of the senior guys. He's been doing it for a while he's uh he's got his second special coming out uh that's going to be touring uh around the nation in the next couple months and he will fucking i bet you he's gonna hate it when i say this but i think euro for euro this dude is the best joke writer in estonia i think so and i think that doesn't mean he's the funniest guy in estonia i never said that shit all right let's take that off the record i never said he's the best writer or anything i just think joke for like line for line, joke for joke, you have that become pretty Estonian now. You're like, this guy is really good, but not that. <laughs> I'm doing some Ronald Kusik hosting. <laughs> it's gonna be a great night. Maybe you know if uh, we speak well, uh, but it's good. <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> you've got to backtrack it there. Uh, you got to qualify every compliment. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to. Um, yeah, I I do think that. I think, uh, and if you any of you been following Ardo's work. Um, he, his jokes, uh, the, what his style of comedy up on stage is, is very well written. Uh, and he, he's very much in tune with setup punchline and what does it mean to create surprise and misdirection. And from a, I mean, you might just watch Ardo and go, Hey, that's a funny guy. Fuck it. He writes some jokes. We're laughing. Everything's good. But when you, from the comedy side, from the nerd perspective of it, this guy is a fucking wizard in the way that he does it. And I'm not trying to throw him off here. Maybe I'm trying to throw him off a little bit. Um, like if you said that before, like I went on stage, <laughs> then may maybe I'd hate you, but no, it's uh, thank you, thank you for those uh, words. That's what throws me off. Like last night, Rana, which not only do I have to follow Oleg, which was fine, and actually I enjoyed yeah, it, yeah. but then you enjoy it, the challenge. I it <laughs> look, poor Oleg. All right, I feel for him, and he is trying. And I told this to Oleg. I'll be very honest with him what he does is he uses offensive words and phrases to build tension which is fine you can do yeah. that in comedy but then you've got to release it that's mm. the point that's that's welcome to hannah gatsby's hour that's yeah. all it is it's just tension release tension release and what oleg's doing is building tension with these things but never releasing it yeah you so, gotta have a good punchline to follow that follow up. follow it and you can do that and that's absolutely um, his topics and he's you know talking about these kind of kind of disgusting topics or off it's not off limits. It's just the way you handle the topic. Yeah. So I didn't mind following Oleg because I got to break the tension. I yeah. got to burst that bubble that had been that had been blown up, and like bing, and then you play with them for a second, and they go, ah, yes, cool, and uh, and then you can keep on going. So in that way, it always was all right with me. And the second one, yeah, that's right. When uh, Ronald introduced me to the stage, and he's like, he's the founder of Comedy Stone. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, bro, no expectations now. Then again, I'm sure I've done that. I've waxed lyrical over the next performer a million times when oh, I'm I bet, I bet. But, uh, remember years back when uh, was uh, what was his name? Niels Forsberg mm. introduced you as like something uh, like the Godfather <laughs> of comedy, Estonia. <laughs> hey you, hey you kids, you want to come to an open mic? <laughs> I got an open mic for you. Bam, right in the kisser. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but talking about. 
like jokes. Like you are very good at writing jokes. Like you just seem to that format of setup, punchline, mm. tag, callback later. The, those very fundamentals of yeah. our art form. You just seem to get it or you're really good at it. Like how do you uh, feel about just the art form of the joke? Or how do you feel about jokes? Well, uh, I guess that's the way I guess I am. Um, the Why I do this style of comedy is because I guess... Uh, when I started out, that's really how I learned. Mm. So I did my first open mic, which was kind of all right. And then my second open mic, I didn't have any jokes anymore. Because I thought the first time, all right, I did kind of good. So I know this. I don't really need to put in effort anymore. Oh, second okay. Second mic. round. Yeah, okay. I'm yeah. going to go and just talk about some random stuff and people are going to laugh. But mm. they didn't. So that's when, <laughs> when I went back and I actually started uh on online i started looking at you know how to write jokes and then so i found mitch hedberg and uh you know very short uh, one-liner type jokes mm. so that's basically what i watched i learned the structure of the joke which is i guess you build up an expectation and you turn it upside down and started doing that and it started going well again and so that's that's why I guess my style is the way it is. But I think now I'm sort of quietly moving away from it. How so? How? I mean, you've, I mean, bit, you can either, because you can have a, like a longer bit or, yeah. because also for those uh, people listening at home, uh, a st- stand-up story often can literally just be a collection of jokes. Mm. Uh, what you think is a story. Oh, they've told that story. It, it lasted yeah. 10 minutes. There was an up and a down and all of that. It's still just a collection of punchlines that follow mm. the same rules as kind of other jokes do in a certain way. So you've kind of crossed that boundary of not just having a bunch of punchlines, but now you are getting to a story or yeah, how do you it's, say? it's sort of more more fluid, I guess, in a sense. And now what I've I've started doing more is actually like taking something that happened and then sort of filling it in mm. with the jokes and you know punchlines. So I think. Uh, you can't really, uh, at least I, I think it would have to be very high level. You can't really think up a whole story. I mean, it has to have some truth in it mm. for you to sort of like spice it up and, uh, you know, sprinkle with jokes. So, uh, yeah. I think so too. I can't, to the point where I can't actually even write anymore unless I do stuff. Yeah. Like if you, if someone was observant enough and went back over the comedy that I've done, um, let's say since summer onwards, the summer set and then now the new story, it's all based off shit that happened mm. to me for a reason. Yeah. I just haven't, it, it's really hard for me to sit down and just go, I'm going to write a joke yeah, now. Here's absolutely. a joke. And I would say almost fucking impossible for me to write a full story end to end. Because you can't get, because even like every story has embellishment, every story has exaggeration, mm. every story has got sidetracks. And that's just the art of telling a story. The tall tales and true, you say, you know. Yeah. Like, that's what you do. Um, I like, find the end is often very hard. How do you go? Like, because you've got to have to kind of bring it around and yeah. make a point. How do you feel about endings of... Um, I, I actually, uh, I remember it said something that Sander said uh, that he actually doesn't really care that much about having the biggest laugh at the end so the story can he you know, doesn't you're right yeah the story yeah. can i mean the most important thing is the story is funny and there's the big culmination at some point probably near the end mm. and uh, i mean w- 
once uh, the biggest laugh has been had, then it, you don't really have to, like, come back with a real killer as the last thing. You can just sort of wind the story uh, up or down. What, what's, what's yeah, the, okay, wind it. True, wind yeah. it. Yeah, wrap it up. Wrap it up or wind wrap it, it down. Yeah, 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 wrap it up wrap or wind it, it down. Now we're sounding like 80s rappers, <laughs> wrapping it up. Right, okay. So, yeah, there's one you build and build and build and then there's this huge tension release at the end and that's yeah. the big kind of payoff. So I think or, I think yeah. that's sort of uh, it also seems more natural mm. in that sense. You you tell the story, there's the big payoff and then you say you wrap the story up, you say a couple more funny things. They're not as big as the the peak, right? Mm. But you just wrap the story up and then it seems it also seems much more like a real story that could have happened. This is true. Yeah. So I think it's the last thing if you say it's a big, you know, Applause, standing ovation, but it's sort of, I guess, feels it seems very American. I don't want to use offensive. Yeah, I, I was going to say American, actually, yeah. like American sort of style. They want to build, 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 crush, next bit. Yeah. Build, 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 crush, next bit. Absolutely. Yeah. But then again, maybe it's just because, you know, maybe it's just a question of laziness. You know, maybe I, I could, uh, you know, think up of these great punchlines mm. right at the end, but, you know, just sort of. Let it be as it is. Maybe. I'm willing to bet with you, probably not. Like in terms of, oh, am I just too lazy or I can't do that? Like I'm not saying you can write a punchline for any occasion. I'm just saying odds on if there's this guy who's really good at punchlines, right. can't quite, you know, like what the chance of the rest yeah. of us got. So, right, to make, a, to make the ending of a story more believable because, yeah, stories don't often end or there's it's such an interesting story that I want to hear a little more about it. I want to yeah. hear what else has been happening. And also with like stories, it's when you add like some, you know, jokes, you add embellishments. Mm -hmm. There's always the line of like, um, because if you're telling a story, like it, you sort of take the stance that this is what actually happened. But if you, if you have a good joke even, but it's Mm -hmm. sort of made up, then you sort of um, walk the line of, how do I sort of deliver it so that I don't like break uh, the belief mm. of the audience that this is what actually happened? Sure, because if you're doing a, something that you just made up, then in your mind is you know going like, oh, "This didn't happen. This didn't happen. This didn't happen." Yeah. Sell it, sell it, sell it. Where, like with the my my bit that I'm doing now about the Romanians, I can just go back to that. Yeah. I can just feel. Yeah, I'm standing on stage trying to work through the bit and I think, how did I feel in that moment? I, I picture myself in front of that mm. really difficult audience and that has helped me to to get it out, right? So if you don't have that real reference point, yeah. what the fuck do you... Maybe, just good, maybe some people are just writers, uh, you yeah, know, but, just storytellers. Yeah, but just, I think that's sort, of, that's sort of an extreme experience as you had with your uh, bad private show and mm. I'd say a lot of us have like stories about bad private shows. <laughs> so... With that, you have like the emotion, which is, which just, even if you write a really, write a similar bit, Mm. write a really good bit, but it's just all made up. I mean, I don't think it would have the same effect as the story that you have this emotion connected to. Because when I had like one of my worst uh, experiences doing a private show, and then basically a few days later, I talked about it on stage. Mm. And now I had had a, bit of time to sort of think the story over put some you know add some stuff make it more punchy and all mm-hmm. that but i think that was still pretty much the i've had i've 
done it I've done that set well other times but I think the first time was still like the best because it's just there was this anger that mm. was there just just the anger at those people those drunks I love that aspect of stand up that it can be I had that moment uh it's a bit that I haven't done for years it's the bit about where I'm uh texting I'm away and I'm texting with my girlfriend at the time the blackout orgasm that's right and then and she says, yeah, we had great sex. It was great. And I'm like, yeah, it was great sex. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it was so good. I almost passed out. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> passed out from sex? Who does that? I've never heard of that as a concept or a thing before. And yeah. immediate, And I, what I'm trying to get across is like we're far apart. So like I was in Sweden or something. She was here in Estonia. So I couldn't just go and meet and like, you know, just be cool, right? So I'm far away and a bit lonely and all of a sudden, like, I think I'm the sexual king of my world. Mm. I know all the moves. I'm good. I've seen the pawns. I know what's up. And then all of a sudden, I'm told, no, there's a whole new, new maneuver with whole new levels of ecstasy <laughs> and passion that you've, you've never, not that you don't even know them, you've never even heard of them yeah. before. That's how... It's a whole different world. It's a whole different world. And I didn't even know that I was inadequate one moment ago. And now I instantly <laughs> feel super inadequate. Why is that? Why did my inadequacy change? And what that happened, I'd, we'd gone to Stockholm. I think it was me and Henrik Chesik. We'd gone to Stockholm and we were doing the gig outside of Stockholm. So that happened. We caught the train an hour up to wherever it was, Uppsala or something like that. Yeah. And I was really quiet. I wasn't talking to no one. And yeah. I was just sitting in the back of the room, not talking. And I was like, Lewis, you all right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah don't worry about it. I'm just going to be. And eventually it was my turn to go up and I unloaded on that story Ooh. for about, let's so put it this way. It was at least 15 minutes. And I hadn't been doing comedy very long. That doesn't, that's not a good formula. If someone's like, I'm doing this 15 minutes of this story, but I've only done like 20 sets. Ah, bad news. And, but immediately, and the, I needed to do it. I needed to get it out straight yeah. away. The audience was looking at me like, is this real? And the reason they knew it was real, because all the comedians at the back of the room lost their shit. It made right, sense right. to them. They're like, that's why this guy's been a fucker all right, afternoon. Yeah, yeah. That's what's happened. And then the audience kind of caught on. And I did fall for that thing for it works the first time because it's fresh because yeah. you're giving that real emotion. And then the next time, I guess maybe like your first time of doing comedy, you go, ah, I'm going to do this bit. This yeah, bit's great. Yeah. What the fuck am I worried about? You've lost the moment. You've calmed down. You've had that mm. release and you try to do it again. You're like, oh, this yeah. story's not much then fun you anymore. Just, you just got to have punches. But it's interesting like how... like. Uh, I guess that's that's sort of a story that is well, it's just like a bit embarrassing, right? You mm. wouldn't really, you wouldn't want to really tell people about it. But in stand up, often the most embarrassing stuff <laughs> is that you just, I mean, you wouldn't tell someone just in conversation about it. Mm. Maybe you know, you're you, as you said, you were just like the whole train ride, you were just quiet talking, nobody. But mm. then you get up on stage, two hundred people. Ah, fuck it, I'm gonna <laughs> tell them that story. You Why know? do you think that is? What do you think is with stand up comedians that? Yeah, we, we want to preach to the crowd, to the audience. We'll confess our sins and yeah. all the things. But one-on-one, -on -one, like, we're a bunch of fucking retards to each other, like, oh, half yeah. the time. I mean, yeah, I don't... I don't I, it, it is weird. Like, I've never really had, uh, let's say, a fear of public uh, speaking. Mm. Whilst I know people who are very good socially, you know, one-on-one -on -one and in, you know, their groups of friends who are just terrified of that. Mm. So, I don't know. I, I guess... You just, I guess we feel a freedom, you know, when we're, not, we're on stage. We have this sort of 
control over it, control mm-hmm. over the interaction. Maybe. Sure. Well, that that is a big part of stand-up. We control it, right? Yeah. And even to the point where if there's stuff in the room that we can't control, we get annoyed and we yeah. got to learn, is it the light? Is it the photographer? Is it the someone making a noise? Yeah. The bar staff are just mixing a drink, doing their best to be silent, maybe even, but we can fucking hear it. And yeah. it's like, I am not in control of this anymore. And do I regain control by A, telling them to shut the fuck up and getting it to stop? Or do I gain a control by clearly just being better than it mm. and clearly being bigger than it and going, hey, I, I'm, I'm not, I didn't even hear that. What are you? I didn't even, yeah. that didn't even bother me. But then you've always got that moment of like, when am I going to, like there's some annoying dr- funk, drunk fucking guy yelling shit mm-hmm. and you've got to make that choice. Like how long can I just ignore him yeah. and just move on? Oh, he hasn't shut up. Oh, fuck, I got to talk to him. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> 20 minutes more. The audience is looking at it. We're yeah. all sitting there just for one drunk guy. Let's not upset the drunk guy who's, you know, disturbing the show. Let's be yeah. polite to him now, guys. Okay. Because there's always the risk that, okay, you might able to be able to shut him up but, or you might just give him encouragement. <laughs> right? You acknowledge him. He's like, oh. Uh, <laughs> what was it? Um, like you said that you kind of just connected with jokes and you could like with the... Uh, like with that that mechanic of a joke, yeah. like you said, you looked it up and you understood. Okay, there's a setup. We uh, create an image in someone's mind, uh, and then one way to make the the punchline is to make the surprise, to twist yeah. it, to make something they didn't expect. And they go, oh, I didn't expect mm. it. <laughs> and comedians can often take that super analytically. We can yeah. get, we can break it down. And here's the, uh, you know, here's the setup. Here's that. Here's the tag. Here's that. I've got a callback strategically placed two lines in, which is yeah. going to re-reference that. And it can be quite scientific. Is that like, did that fit into the logic of your brain more? Do you think like that just sort of slot in mm. rather than being some whimsical, Oh, I'm jumping around on stage, waving my hands around. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely that was what a, I needed at the time, you know, mm. because I think, uh, you know, just writing basic one-liners is a good skill to have. It's like a muscle, you know. It's it's very basic. You have to, I guess, learn to walk before you learn how to run. So it's good to have that sort of base of, you know, you can write a s- simple joke. You can deliver that simple joke. And once you have that, you can sort of move on to different areas of stand-up, like, that you can develop like delivery and longer stories and you know mm. playing with the silence or something like that were you into mathematics as a kid uh i was i was sort of good at mathematics in school because i usually had like well you were you a decent kid were you all right at school yeah because i had like right. like we well we didn't have a's or b's we had like one to five oh right? okay so five being the best and so uh, that's why Estonia is really good at Yelp reviews because you can just do one to five. They used to stand how many stars? Surprisingly <laughs> disgusting. So, right, okay. So you got one to five stars uh, on your on your thing. Yeah, the, uh, great. So, so I I usually had like fives or fours, right? Okay. But so I was able to uh, do it, let's say. But I never really liked it. Mm. So uh, I I that with. That, that was this the thing with a lot of uh, subjects in school. I could really, if I put my mind to him, uh, I could do him well. Mm. But I, I didn't really enjoy 
you know, maths or, or physics or chemistry or, you know. What subjects did you enjoy the most? Was there any you enjoyed? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I enjoyed English oh, because okay. that was just easy for me. Ah, okay. By this stage, had you already got this sort of lovely television accent already by this stage or when did that, it just uh, kind of came out? Was there, was there any specific work that you did on this? It's a very smooth accent. I like it a lot. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Is there any like time that it kind of came out? Um, I, I don't really, I, I, I doubt I had it at school that I was in English class and reading like Mary had a little lamb or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, listen up. All right, Mary, she had a little lamb. All right, you know what the fuck I'm saying? Yeah, I, I actually, I, I don't really think I do any much work on it. It mm. just sort of comes out the way. Sure. Or back in the day at school, because English was, it yeah. was easy for you. Had you just been watching cartoons and yeah, stuff like yeah, that? Absolutely. Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just, just watched a lot of TV uh, as a kid and learned from that. Okay. Lacking any good parental supervision. <laughs> yeah. Because I was, yeah. So mom was work and, you know. <laughs> what do I do at home all day? I don't, we didn't really have like uh, uh, a computer for a long time, so I just watched TV, you know. Mm, okay. So at school, you're kind of interested in English and you're getting good marks at school, but none of it's sort of jumping out at you and like, this is what I really want to do or yeah. I like this or, or anything like that. Yeah, no, because yeah, cause people sort of ex- expected me to, you know, oh, you have good grades, you're obviously going to, mm. you know, Put that to some real good use. Oh, you're right? going to be a startup entrepreneur. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're going to work gonna... for Skypart. Oh, you're going to be amazing. Yeah. Go get those one of those IT jobs. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Because, <laughs> like, I know, like, if I was smart, I probably, you know, would have perhaps gone that route. But I just, I mean, I was never really uh, into like computers that much or maths. Mm. I could do it, but as soon as uh, you know. I had done the necessary, you know, the tests at school, then I just forget, you know, so, so that's, that's not something I want to do every day or sort of look forward to or, you know, mm. I was, you know, I always liked, uh, I guess, the, the lighter stuff, you know, more arts and stuff like that. But you must have, you still had, for a young man then, quite, or any young person, like already some sense of discipline there because you're like, well, if I sat down and applied myself, you know, I could do those subjects and you were getting fours and fives or five, whatever, you know, for, uh, yeah. out of that. Um, you're getting fours and fives already and you can do that. But that's still a, a quite a, a good skill for a young person to go like, yeah, if I apply myself, because, you know, what person, a lot of young people have the raw skill to yeah. be able to do that. A lot of smart people in school, you know, who could, but they can actually sit down and then go, okay, I'm going to apply myself to this mathematics, even though I'm not really that into it. Mm. But I know that if I sit down, you just were somehow able to push yourself. Well, the problem was that I always did it at last minute <laughs> possible. So okay. I was, uh, I know. If I don't really have something that I urgently need to do, then I can just really easily just fall into a rhythm of just like staying up all night, sleeping all day. And that's that's how I did my schoolwork too. Just stay up mm. really late, do the stuff at the last minute. And uh, then I, I, I guess maybe I, I have maybe some smarts for it because I was able to still do it at a pretty good level. But no, yeah, I, don't, I don't think I was a very well-disciplined Okay, it was that last minute. I always did my homework. 
And I always had my assignments and, and reports ready days in advance, fucking days in advance. And... And why was I this? Because this is what my parents taught me mm. you're supposed to do. And I didn't know. I'm such a sheltered little kid. Yeah. I don't know nothing else. I was like, okay, that's what we do. We get things done early and we get all the stuff prepared and then we do yeah. it. And then it's still got like a day just in case you need to do something. Mm. I didn't lose this until the fourth year of university. Like it took four years uh, of partying and drinking at university. Yeah, until I get, put something in in at the last moment like i got to university and i thought oh these people they're just like that stereotype you know that's yeah. that stereotype everyone does it at the last moment but most people they prepare right they prepare and they they yeah. put a fair amount of work into the assignment for sure you know and then you discover the real world is nothing with many things in my family yeah. the real world is nothing like what what i'd grown up in and but i just couldn't kick that habit like yeah. i couldn't i guess even to this moment even in comedy estonia so it's not it's not completely gone well, we're pretty prepared, you know, these yeah. days. Like, if you like, we've got every bag, everything, every plug, every cable, every light. You could probably trace that back to my parents. Yeah. And how so, <laughs> so you you have to admit they were right. This this is beneficial. No, don't make run. me admit my parents were right. This is too much. It's too much, Doctor Otto. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> without them, you wouldn't be the Godfather. <laughs> the Estonian comedy scene. We gotta. We <laughs> we're all gonna come to terms with it. Oh, that's what that they gave me that skill, and I never quite lost that ability of preparing and being in front of yeah. things. Well, that's oh. what I remember my mom also saying. Like when she was in school, they would all they would come home, do the homework, and then you have the rest of the day, right? Just, you know, do sounds whatever. logical. Yeah. Not, not, not for yeah. Ardo the junior. No, <laughs> he's like, fuck you, mom. There's TV on. I'm going outside. Last minute, writing the answers. Yeah. Stubborn like that, I guess. Well, you think so? Like, what? were you able to? I mean, that's you did it at the last moment, but how were you as a kid to be able to take people telling you what to do? Well, I really sort of... The thing is, I always sort of really delayed doing things. But when, when like, somebody would say, well, if I didn't push you, you would never do it, then I was sort of offended because I was like, I was going to do it. I was going to do it on my time when I want. <laughs> And when somebody would say, hey, maybe maybe I was just about to do it. And then somebody would be like, hey, you do that. And then was like, well, now I'm not going to do it right now. I'm gonna not do at it all later. gangster style. Hey, I was going to fucking do yeah. it. All right. What the fuck? Yes. Okay. Against, I'll <laughs> finish my math homework <laughs> when I won. Pow, pow. <laughs> all right. So because in the back of my mind, you were like, yeah, I'm fucking I've got it. I'm getting to it. I know yeah. that I'm going to do these things. You haven't flaked out. You haven't. And you did in the end. Right. Yeah. You were always like, I did. Hey, come on! I was yeah. doing the last minute, but 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 I can see now how how other people might see it. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's so wise of you over your years yeah. to have worked that out. Um, right, I was like, so you 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 want that good with like you say, if someone tried to tell you something or like were you, but you were generally okay with authority. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess I was raised pretty, you know, polite. I guess I mean I didn't okay, really. Okay, have I'm any a good household. That, okay, we've got manners and yeah. That I, I I never really felt like I had to. I don't know, tell tell somebody to fuck off or anything like that. You know, mm. tell the teacher to fuck off. No. 
wasn't your style, wasn't your thing. No, Ardo Asberg doesn't stand up in front of class and go, you know what, teacher, fuck you. Fuck. And then, well, I can't imagine that's your style somehow. Fair enough. That does make a bit of sense. Yeah, so I could, I could always, I guess I had like a sympathy for, you know, uh, even the teachers or, or maybe the school system. I'm just like, yeah, yeah we, we're here. We might not like it, but something we have to do, I guess. So I like that. It's such a stoic attitude to the situation. Well, fucking, we're in school. What are, wait, what are you going to do? Yeah, All right, you're yeah, in school. Gonna... <laughs> just, just delay the stuff uh, as long as possible. <laughs> it looks like you should be going up to the smoker. Hey, kids. All right, let me tell you. I got a fucking plan for you. All right, you got to delay as long as possible, but then you do your fucking homework, yeah. okay? That's the deal. You do the deal. Yeah, don't let anyone tell you when to do <laughs> <laughs> when you do your stuff, you do it on your terms. I don't want to hear no teachers. That fucking principal comes down here. You fucking tell him. I'm going to have some words to him, all right? Because, <laughs> yeah, we... And also, we, we weren't really uh, sort of... I didn't go really to, like, an a- elite school or anything. What so, school did you go to? Dailina uh, Baskula Gymnasium. Oh, okay, yep. Which is... Oh, wait, which one's that? Where's that? It's in Nome. Um... Really All right. Do you know where like the nomad is, the swimming hall is? Swimming pool. Oh yeah, yeah, that's on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so there, it's yeah. basically behind that. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. So so I think um maybe if if you just do okay there, then you're automatically, you know, at the top. Oh, okay. Is it quite school. a well regarded school, is it like for academic education? No. Well, <laughs> Oh, no, oh, it's the opposite, sorry, yeah, you were saying. It's, oh, it's, it's, the, it's yeah. a piece of shit, is where you're going. <laughs> doesn't want to get beaten up by his former friends next time he does the heel poopy show. He's walking down the street, hey, we heard you were fucking talking about Noma, all right? So, some of us are still here, Mr. Kadriog, all right? <laughs> Think you're so fancy moving downtown with your girlfriend, getting out of this place, huh? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Living in Kadriog. You hey, made it out. Paying, paying like the third of the rent that this place actually is worth. Yes. Oh yeah, you got a nice deal. Yeah. How'd you uh, get the deal? What's the what's the for that? That's just, I guess, like most things in Estonia, it's sort of, you know, somebody. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's a friend of a relative who owns the, you know, place, and my sister used to live there before. So then they moved to some other place. I got to go there and you know continue the, like uh, the sweet deal. Sure. Yeah. So but uh, but yeah. Uh, if you factor in like the prices that you see on like some real estate websites when you're trying to rent an apartment, then I mean, I should not be living there. <laughs> Just I, I should, I shouldn't be living in Tallinn even. Friends <laughs> <laughs> like Ardo Asper, comedian, living off his comedy and living in Kadriog yeah. as well. Look at this guy, Mister Fancy. Yeah. <laughs> so, somehow the universe has sort of <laughs> been kind enough to keep me from just just reaching rock bottom you know because I'm, I'm just somehow thinking back maybe on my life even like i i should have i should have failed probably in lots of places but here i am still strolling on somehow you keep on going with some sort of faith maybe not faith faith does it sounds a little bit too spiritual about it or some or faith in yourself at least yeah you yeah you have to have faith in yourself and you sort of i guess you have to have Maybe a bit of a dumb disregard for for the real situation in life. <laughs> so you, you you think that if you just sort of see your own view of things, and then it's a bit easier for you to handle, and you sort of don't get your. I mean, you are you a warrior? Mm. That's also s- sort of 
there's a sort of uh, what do you, how do you say like very contrary uh, positions because I I think maybe I I worry about a lot of things perhaps more mm. than some people, but I mean. Um, it doesn't show on that cool exterior of yeah, yours. Yeah, that's cool, handsome. <laughs> cool hand look over here. Tanned right now. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> Just painting that visual no, picture for you. Yeah, but, but I think, like, based on what, what I do, you know, being a stand-up comedian and the, the path I've sort of taken in life, sounds mm. pretentious, but, but what I'm doing right now, I mean... And considering that I did well in school and everybody expected me to, you know, do something practical with it. I mean, if I was a worrier, then I would have gone the practical route, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, looking at my life right now, the path I've taken, logically that, you know, you could probably see a lot of red flags, a lot of things <laughs> that could go wrong. So if I was a real worrier, I don't think I would be doing what I'm doing right now. So as I say, mm -hmm. like you have to perhaps have some sort of disregard of of the real situation of you know, you're, you know logically this might not work out, but I'm just yeah, I'm gonna try it anyway. You know, it's what I like to do. I think that's very true of stand-up comedians, any artist. I think there is something about, and this was before you sort of came into art and. Your situation, we'll kind of get to it. Well, you said you already did a bit of art early on. You said you're interested in art in school, where I kind of came to it very late, like 25. Um, yeah. yeah, but but there's this idea of being an artist that you, this art, it's this creativity, something you develop inside of yourself. And eventually you have this faith that it's there. And, um, and it's not a faith like, it's not like you're prey to it, like, oh, when the inspiration hits me, then I'll write. We know that's bullshit. Yeah. We know that you've got to be able to develop a style and work at it. And that if you work at it and you're consistent and you try and you use technique, then yeah, you can sit down and write every day. Yeah. You can, with, you know, with some degree of you know, certainty. Obviously, mm. there's good days, bad days, uh, strong days, not so strong days. But you know, so it's not like inspiration has to be a... Uh, something that just strikes you. Yeah. Oh, I can't. There's no, there's no jokes because I ha the inspiration hasn't hit me. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? Probably like me. You probably haven't gone out and done something. You probably haven't sat down and actually written down those yeah. ideas in your head. It's not that the, the yeah. lightning is going to flash. Just, yeah, it's, it just all depends on how much time you really sort of put on to that. You know, how mm. much time are you willing to spend on your craft? Sure. And you, as an artist, then you end up I think having this faith because because there's no one way through the entertainment industry mm. or like almost any artistic industry, I'd have to cut. You'd have to go a bit more commercial to be something more like I want to say marketing or graphic design. And no disrespect to those people, but you know more that's quite a commercial, usually a commercial operation. Yeah, you'd have to kind of go to that before you get a creative career that has a really solid like up fucking ladder work, mm. whatever it is, path right, HR, whatever the fuck. Um, usually it's, uh, I don't know, and your money is yeah. going to come from there and there and there yeah. and this place. And you've got to try and control that, keep that going and make sure something's coming for the future. And you can't, you can make a good plan, but you've got no guarantees, mm. I guess, like anything in life. But eventually you end up having this faith in yourself and your abilities that, and maybe it is a bit romanticized idea. I think it probably is. Like that I'll just be able to do it somehow. Yeah. Like I've got some skills. 
I'm working at it. I'm trying. I'm not just letting inspiration hit me. Well, fuck, if it doesn't come to me, then what the fuck else can I do? I'm trying everything I can. Yeah. So maybe you already kind of, and maybe it says a certain kind of inbuilt, I don't want to say self-confidence, but some sort of comfortableness with yourself that even at a young age, you just kind of had it. Like, I'm just going to see how it goes right now. I'm doing the best I can. I'm going to see what comes out of it. Yeah. Because even, even when I was, you know, back in school, I was doing well, but I... I sort of in the back of my head knew that this is, you know, I am not gonna, you know, continue on with this practical science math stuff. Mm. Right. I didn't I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I know it has to be or I was more interested in, you know, something about performance, you know, performing. Would it be like I was so already in school, you already had this idea. There was some a bit yeah, because okay. I was because I was interested in you know I'm sort of a you know uh, a movie buff and you know you know looking into that looking into some you know actors I sort of liked and uh, and uh, yeah so that that was what sort of really interested me. Okay, so there's some idea in school that this is the creativity. Oh, maybe this acting thing looks interesting, but again, with no kind of set path to these yeah. things at all. Um, you know, you don't know where to go with it. So, um, what what happens to you? So you're doing the final exams. You, you did you get decent grades? Were they all right? Like, yeah, 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 I, yeah, it was all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Um, because I had pretty good results, so I could. I think I uh, enrolled in college mm. right after. But uh, since I also had to do my uh, military service, so I. Basically, I enrolled in college. I didn't really, I wasn't really excited about going that much. But I enrolled in college because then when I enroll, then I can sort of choose when I can do my military service. Ah, So I was like, okay, so, you know, let's get this out of the way now. I was 19, I guess. So I was like, yeah, let's get this out of the way. Then afterwards, this won't be this, you know, big thing that is hanging over my head, you know, that potentially I could just be, you know, drawn away for like a year. Maybe I'll, you know, find something that I like to do and then I'm, you know, things are going good and then I had to just have to leave. So I wanted to get that out of the way and, you know, went, did my service, came back, tried the, tried to do the college. What were you thing. studying in college? Where and what college? Uh, I don't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even remember what fucking college. That's how little that time means to you. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean. Like, it's, it's just gone. Like that was just such clearly a stopgap just yeah. interim thing you understood it that it's already been wiped from your memory yeah absolutely. i think it was talent university all right and i uh the uh the subject i don't even know what it is in english it was some something like co- governing science Jesus. Science. i mean just some political science or something like this yeah some, yeah, yeah okay kind of, kind of, and then, yeah, I mean, I think I w- went to some of the lectures a <laughs> couple of times and it was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You just going, this is not me. Like, I'm yeah. no, like just, yeah. no, I'm not. No. Yeah. Why are you leaving my class? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you know, thinking back on it, mm. I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not proud of it right now because yeah. I think I could have, you know, I had the... Uh, you didn't think you wanted to be like some university life, picking up chicks, you know, going to a bar, having beers? 
Well, not not then, because yeah, because looking back on it, like those years after I finished high school and did the military, and those years after that were pretty, you know, looking back on it, pretty pointless, you know, because mm. I think I had really a lot of opportunities back then. And, you know, a lot of people say, like, do young people have opportunities in Estonia? Can they really, you know, get the education? Can they work? Can they, you know, build towards their dreams? And for me, I guess I, st I studied good in school. So the government of Estonia, you know, made it possible for me to, you know, basically study for free hmm. in college. I think that was before. Uh, now the system is that it's all free. Uh, the college university that's oh before it was only if you had certain grades yeah, yeah okay yeah. all right that's easy so yeah so back then that was really a good opportunity for me but i but i was just in um i mean i, I don't i don't now even... we wouldn't give a shit now I'd be like whatever everyone gets the education yeah, don't yeah. give a shit but back then you're like well this is special well mm. yeah on the one hand i thought like i have to try this because that's what society expects mm. but i just wasn't into it but but thinking back, I think it's it is a bit irresponsible in the sense that I still even if I don't like I'm not that into the subject I'm studying, but I could still, you know, have the university experience. I could sort of, you know, apply myself, push myself a little bit just to do it, you know, do all the I guess if I were to give some advice, you know, to some kids <laughs> what to do after school, it's just Go to university, you know, make contacts, do all the 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 stupid uh, student, you know, event things, you know, just put yourself in every list, uh, volunteer for stuff, you know, mm. do that for these years. Uh, but I just, I don't know, I just, I just feel like I wasted those years because I didn't want to study in the university, but I didn't yet know that I want to do stand up. Right, so but, you kind of resisted a bit the 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 university, so you couldn't quite settle yeah. in and be comfortable with it and have all those kind of good university yeah, times. Because yeah. I was just, I was, I guess, avoiding responsibility in the sense that I I quit the university. I worked some couple of dead end jobs, and wasn't one in a factory. What was the windows? What was the well, windows place? Yeah, something that where where they made like windows and metallic stuff right because that's i think this is where we or comedy estonia comes into the story yeah. because that's where i for some reason in my recollection it's ardo used to work in a factory something with with windows yeah and he was working in that and then there was like and i forget everything as well yeah. i remember the fucking thing so in my mind it's just been romanticized about there was this dude working in a factory and he's like you know what i want to do stand up <laughs> and then he comes over here and does stand up and is great at it and then look it's the guy the regular guy like i've romanticized this story yeah. of of how it should be but yeah it was just a job right you're just like yeah. fuck i got nothing to do so I'm gonna... it was uh, yeah I, I think it was some place that like painted like some sort of aluminum windows or metal windows or whatever and it, it was it wasn't hard job mm. it was you know it was you know mildly you know physically exhausting but a lot but a lot of the time actually you just spent sitting around because a lot of the time there wasn't much to do so you just was you know sitting around waiting for your shift to end and the pay was actually pretty decent before sitting around all day as yeah well. yeah but but that's actually worse if you have all that free time so it's just it's just like 
see okay i have two more hours more to kill here like what am i doing i mean that's it might seem it might seem uh, on the surface it might seem good oh you have a job you, you don't have to do anything you get paid quite well no, mm-hmm. i want that but actually it's just it's just yeah just kill you is that because this is before facebook so you know you had nothing to do all day what are you gonna do except <laughs> sit there and scroll instagram <laughs> yeah but but I, I think even that would get old I you know, so too. if you have so much just and I could, like, I think I wasted a lot of time during those years just, you know, mm. on nothing productive, really. So where does the, where does the, because like with all things with stand-up and, and all, anytime anyone makes a kind of a change, it's often never like being and then I'm 100% in it. it yeah. Yeah, you, you take steps towards it, you try it once or twice, you get, but it does start somewhere. So where does this thing start? Where do you get this idea that, or you've already been doing some acting things, trying... Did I know no, that? No no, no, no. I made that one up for sure. Okay, yeah. I made that one up. So somewhere along the line, you've got this idea, I'm going to try and yeah. do stand-up comedy or something like that? Yeah, well, stand-up had always sort of been somewhere. Like, I was aware of it. But, you know, as it is, you see some, you know, Eddie Murphy stuff on TV late night. And, and I, I kind of, you know, liked it. I watched it from time to time, but it was never, like crystal clear it's like oh yeah i want to do that but uh yeah no i, I think i saw the the Bialtnegi, uh segment on comedy estonia so i knew oh that. shit no really yeah oh yeah. right with eric and i i think it was eric with eric was in yeah, it yeah yeah. yeah yeah so i knew that something like this was happening uh here in estonia so i knew that that possibility existed and as for actually when i made the decision to go there and like how I even had the courage, I don't know, but you know, I just did just it. Just working at the factory one day, like, this is my last fucking window. <laughs> All right. Oh, were you making the dudes in the factory laugh, or like, were you that kind of guy? Could you make the people laugh around you? Mm, if I wanted to. Mm, if you want to. But uh, yeah, because also in, in school, like, I was sort of no, known as, as the guy who sort of makes up jokes and generates, you know, some weird, funny stuff. Mm. But I'm also, you know, sort of an introverted person. Really? So. I haven't noticed. That's unbelievable. Tell me really? more about <laughs> These <laughs> bombshells on the Lewis Cesaron <laughs> podcast. This just in. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. So, no, I, so, yeah, I'm not uh, like who the kind of guy who's just like on all the time. and just cracking jokes just all the time in everyday mm. life. Uh, I guess it's just, you know, have to, if I'm with friends and feel comfortable, maybe then, but, but, uh, I usually what you do is you sit back in the conversation and don't say that much, but then you'll drop one line. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. Like you'll just drop the, the perfect summary, <laughs> the great joke like that. And we'll all just go, yeah. fuck, why is that? Uh, <laughs> cause I think in my head, I'm sort of like thinking of thinking of maybe stuff and jokes and but but there's this sort of filter of that's not good enough <laughs> even us just sitting around drinking beers and stuff like that there's still kind of yeah. some filter yeah but but that's that's how i guess i mean i haven't really read up on it but i guess that's maybe what you know introverts usually feel that mm-hmm. they perhaps they like think too much about what they have to say or that it should like have some you know, real big logical value or, you know, every every sentence should be like, you know, profound or something. 
Right, which develop, which means you get into a strong filter situation. Yeah. There's other way to look at it. So you filter a lot of what you say, yeah, and you just want to make sure what you say has got an impact. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I guess sort of. Yeah, yeah. don't say empty words. Yeah, that would describe your stand up pretty well, actually. I would say. Yeah. Okay, so you would call yourself an introvert then, who sort of just knows the time and the place to turn it on. Well, yeah, I mean the stage, I guess. The stage. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so you, yeah, you saw that Peltnagia clip, right? Ah, uh, no, God, I can't even remember doing that. We're in Privé. Oh my God. In Club Privé back then. What a time that was. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess that did get some people like the, like the weird ways that everyone's come to comedy Estonia. Mm. So you were from there, uh, Sander, we found uh, some video of him performing in meat market, just yeah. standing up out of nowhere. We're like, what the fuck is this? the nuts on this kid standing up for yeah. 20 minutes and just doing this. And Daniel was when I performed at his school. Oh, yeah, yeah. They asked that. me to come and, yeah, the, if there's an English teacher out there, yeah, they'll say, hey, you want to come talk to the kids? And I'm like, yeah, I'll talk about stand-up, sure. And then Daniel was in the audience that day and I don't know what went through his mind. I still don't know what goes through his mind. <laughs> it's now it's years later and hours and hours spent together. But do you really want to know? No, not at all. Murderous thoughts, weird thoughts, yeah. all blank. I'm willing to bet it's either completely murderous thoughts that he suppresses or just blank, like Ooh, genuine blankness. It's like birds in a pond. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who else? Who's there? Carl? I forget. We're going to have to get Carl on here. I forget how Carl came along. Yeah, but he he's he's been doing it for like, I guess Carl and Sander have been doing it for about the same time. But they the first two. I guess they would have been. And Mikael too, pretty early, right? Yeah, but Mikael didn't get serious about it for ages, mm. and now he's very serious about. It. Now he's you know very keen on his career and really working yeah. on that. But for years, I, I guess like, oh, not that he didn't get it or just whatever, you know. It kind of took a while to really kick in and be like, boom, this is my thing and what mm. I'm gonna do. Um, yeah, I guess Carl and Sander were the first. I'm trying to think. I mean, there are other people sort of that are who are still around. Otherwise, you got like Keio Kreep, Janneke Meidler. Uh, yeah. God, back in the day. Fuck. Anyway, my memory gets lost. Yeah. So you were there and uh, you're working in the factory and you were kind of like, this is nothing's working for you. You're like, fuck all of this. But I'm going to try this stand-up thing. Yeah. So what was the first venue? What was the first open mic? I was in um, Noku Club in the old town. Oh shit! I remember that place. I met yeah. my I met my ex girlfriend there. Oh fuck, that's the place. That was a cool. Okay, yeah, that little private club yeah, upstairs. Really. How did you feel that first time? Were you super nervous or? Mm. Oh yeah, because uh, I was on. I think in the sweet spot. I guess the sec in the middle of the second half or something. Mm. So I remember the, uh, during the break, I went downstairs and just walk around. Hands were shaking, <laughs> and I. I actually remember that. I think uh, Daniel was hosting that night. Jesus, we let him host back then? Yeah. Cool. yeah. And I know that he's been doing this a bit more than me, but I, I guess he was still pretty new, right? Yeah, sure. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember he was hosting, and I think Carl was there. You were there, obviously. Uh, Stuart, maybe. Janneke. Maybe even Mikael. Because oh. I, I think we... Uh, yeah, because I think he was there and then that's like the first time I saw him and then the next time we saw him, uh, the first time I went to Mekko, which was quite a while later. Right. Yeah. 
and that first show how did you and you you said that you felt all right after that first show like yeah. you was like yeah i've done pretty good like yeah it was pretty good i had, I had like some i had like a savisar joke and <laughs> think a gay joke and got some old classics yeah. in there all right and that's when when most of us uh, did our sets in english too mm. that's something that most uh, a lot of people now forget about comedy estonia yeah. is that we kind of started in english because it was me and Stuart and eric and then andre was kind of drowned out and and then there was that weird thing that just no one would believe that Estonian could be good. Yeah. Uh, that it was such a weird thing for years to have to convince Estonian people that Estonian language comedy could be okay. Oh, it's going to be terrible. I'm like, nah, look, I got this guy Katsani. He's all right. You know, yeah. we'll give him a go. And even the other night, I saw some friends of mine and uh, a couple and he he was really cool. And then, but the girl who I know a bit more, she was like, ah, oh, you know, the stand up, really? Estonian stand up? What the mm. fuck? Is this going to be good? And I was like, have you actually been to one of our yeah. shows after all these years? And she's like, actually, no. And I went, there you go. You got to just come. It's not. Now it's the opposite. Now, you know, everyone's like, oh, Estonian stand-up's great. Yeah. And uh, and everything. But at the first, yeah. So we were all just doing it. And there was this sort of this thing that I guess me and, and Stuart and Eric had started it. So it kind of just flowed mm. from there. We're in the drink bar to start with. Um, yeah. What? How was that for you the first time? You got to do fucking stand up and then you've got to do it in English. Did you bat an eyelid at all or did you consider this? Mm. Uh, I didn't even. I think I uh I think I uh practiced at home a lot. Okay. Because yeah. I knew uh English uh that if I do it in English then I probably will have to like I might mess up a few words and stuff like that. So that I I think that made me probably practice more than I would have it was just an Estonian set so I think that probably helped me because uh, when, when you're just starting out uh, well this is my experience can't really speak for anyone else but I think the more you sort of prepare before the better you're gonna just be on stage I think so too I think at any stage yeah because even right now yeah if you're prepared then if you know your material then you're then you're more free because because mm. you know your basics you know you know where you can, uh, where you left off. Mm. What's next, right? You don't have that. Uh, Maybe this sounds weird conversation to anyone who's not a stand-up comedian. So what you're basically saying, Ardado, is that someone, a stand-up comedian in your position, may walk to the stage in front of a hundred people with sound and lights and and everything at a show, and they wouldn't know exactly what they're going to say. And not even that they wouldn't know exactly what they're going to say. That can be fine. Maybe you want to improv. Maybe yeah. you want to riff. Go in some different directions. That's cool. But that someone had actually prepared it, mm. but yet had not committed that end-to-end to memory. Like, to other people outside of stand-up comedy, that must seem insane. This be like, you've got the fucking script there. Why the fuck wouldn't you learn it? That's, there's nothing stopping you. It says something about the laziness of stand-up comedians that we do this shit all the time and that you can do a passable grade in our art form if you do shit like that. Because it it sounds so fucking logical. Learn the script. (laughs) Just learn it and you will be better. This is not Einstein's tricks. But how often we do that? Yeah. I mean, I teach presentations. so How often does anybody do that? It does sound so logical, but, but, but yeah, so I, I, maybe it sounds insane to people that there is this preparation that we could be doing. Mm-hmm. Why would you go up 
half prepared. That seems yeah. dumb or yeah. weird or somewhat maybe even unprofessional. People are like used to actors, yeah. used to that kind of thing and going, what? You didn't learn your fucking script? That's uh, not only that, I've paid money for this. Mm. That's going to be unprofessional. But having said that, we're talking about open mics now, aren't we? Yeah. We're fucking around and also this is years ago and so forth. But at yeah. any stage, um, do you have your stuff kind of done end to end? Like, do you kind of know it word for word? Um, yeah, basically. Hmm. It's I not think. bad. Well, you, ha- you weren't hesitating because you thought that like, People don't want to hear that stand-up is written word for word? No, because I, cause I sort of... Hmm. I mean, I don't think that uh, that would really throw anyone off. Because, I mean, I know there's there's a lot of like different styles, uh, even in comedy Estonia. Like, uh, But even like if you do one-liners or if you do like you know like stories or sort of variations on a theme just talk about like some theme and and whether it's like pap 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 or whether it's like let's say Mikael who's just sort of winds up as he goes mm. then even like even taking account all these different styles like these comedians they still like have their sets quite thought out you know because I've had people uh, come up to me after like uh, a show or maybe a private event thing like, oh man, this is like really great. Like, so do you like think it up on the spot? <laughs> I'm like, no, not, not even close. <laughs> but I think that is, uh, I mean, I don't really, if you're asking me like, do I know it word for word? Mm. No, because it doesn't really matter if it's exactly that word after that, after that. But I, uh, I at least try to, know the the sequence of the jokes know the punchlines know exactly what comes after the other thing because if i know those things then i can in the moment perhaps add a tagline say something new you know go go off on some sort of different theme because then i know i can still come back to that thing that's in my head the theory of what you do is very good. Like on a theoretical, like, like that is, I would say, if you ask me to describe what is the correct way to write, or not correct, but you know, what is like a very good methodology, if you wanted a methodology to write stand-up, yeah. like I would give exactly that yeah. formula. You don't have to have every word, but you know your punchlines. Uh, you kind of generally know the setup. You can fuck around for a while because you're going to come back to the next bit. You don't have to remember yeah. word for word yeah. in the middle of it. So that's... That's actually why I've sort of been, uh, I guess, I don't really uh, write down my stuff anymore. That wow, might, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I write it down after I've I've sort of finished the set. Like, let's say I do one set uh, this month. So mm. the next month comes, you're supposed to have a new five minutes, right? This one set, I'll put it in the drawer for now. Mm. Uh, so then, if I have the time, well, I mean, I do have the time. It's a question <laughs> of laziness. So... Uh, <laughs> a busy Asperg yeah. lifestyle. So if I uh, I write it down and I try to write it down, then I try to write it down quite, uh, you know, uh, specifically. Like all the funny bits, all the possible taglines uh, that there are in this bit, I try to get them down. Just so I know that in case I forget, I have it over there. Like mm-hmm. so, so that I, if I do that set again for, you know, for... Uh, like a few months after that, I know that I won't forget anything. I can look it up, but I don't 
mostly I don't really use it. Mm. Like I don't. As an archiving tool. Yeah, that makes sense. Once the bit's done, we want to preserve it. That's what I'm not doing right now with my new set. And this is a trap that I can fall into that I don't have some preservation copy Mm. of this is the bit because what's going to happen is you're doing bits and you do them over the course of a few months. They change. Punchline, for some reason, you're better at one. You don't like one punchline. You drop it. It changes. And then you can kind of look at it you listen to a recording of yourself from several months back and you're like, what the fuck? I had that whole fucking bit. Yeah. In that, I just dropped that. I dropped those like three lines out of that bit. I'd completely forgotten for some you know, really logical reason at the time I'd taken yeah. it out, but I could have added it back in later and I'd forgotten. Yeah, it was probably like, it, it didn't work in one place. One place, yeah. Took it out and then you just forget. Yeah, you no, know, the audience happened. screamed, but there was one person in the third row yeah. that didn't like it, who didn't have quite the biggest smile on their face. So therefore, not nah, fuck it, yeah. chuck it out, chuck yeah. it out. Because that's also like when you have an expectation of, of uh, how a line is supposed to be received. If you're in your head, you're used to this is going to get like, uh, you know, a roar. Mm. This is going to get like an applause. And then it gets like an okay laugh. You're still like, don't fucking. Like, motherfuckers, yeah. come on. It ain't working anymore. <laughs> but, but, but that's also. Hey, the you thing. joke. Hey, you punchline. <laughs> you ain't working anymore. You know what I'm saying? You you're ain't not working anymore. You're cut. You're cut. You're cut. Shavus, vamos. <laughs> Hit the road. <laughs> cement shoes for you <laughs> so yeah i try to sort of not uh overthink the uh the set while i'm still doing it because because that happens uh when you're touring let's say i had this problem of if you if you've been touring you've been doing the same set uh really often you've been doing it for like what 20 times then it just sort of becomes too automatic Mm. have you felt that like the audience yeah. reaction will change how have you what was tell us about that like when you kind of noticed that uh i gotta put some life into this yeah i mean it it sort of still works but just the, all the reactions are at a lower level that you know they could be right and it's not really that much interesting for you anymore either mm. so so yeah that's that's a very tough uh uh tough position to sort of get out of i guess to make it fresh again yeah uh yeah either you've got to fall in love with the joke again somehow or maybe add a punchline yeah. Yeah. you tag some bit to it change something up about it because then you got to give away like you're like this was fine in this form this text yeah. has proven to be fine but the performer can no longer perform it yeah. So we've got to change the text. Sorry, text. Yeah. Performer always wins. Uh, and then a perfectly good bit kind yeah. of can get changed. Yeah. Because you have to, I guess what Ari said is you have to sort of remember the emotion or the intent of the bit, not the sequence of words in mm. the bit. But yeah, that's sort of a, that's why I, I really don't write my bits down as I'm doing them because... I want to know what my punchline is, what the point of the punchline is, but I don't want to be bogged down. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a rapper. I don't have to, <laughs> you know, have to fit all these syllables in the right sequence mm. in this line or, or else the rhythm will go, you know, bunk. I'm so fascinated to attend more like hip hop open mics and hear how does a lyricist make that progression as well. Like what you say, like you just made an assertion about that, that, hey, you got to make the lines rhyme or yeah. something like that but maybe they're like writing jokes maybe they got a bit and it's a song but some of the bits don't quite come together yet the rhymes don't work yeah and it can be like a joke not working i guess 
and you got to fix lines up and but they could look at it the same way like we look at it line 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 mm-hmm. like i guess a, a a rapper can look at it the same way and go line, line i'm going to take out this line yeah but change these words yeah i guess probably hip-hop as far as music probably is the closest to stand-up i think so yeah because they also have like a I mean, yeah, wordplay and humor is just such a big part in it. I think so. Do, are you into rap music? Not very much. I mean, hmm. I'm not a big, you know, like rap head or anything. But I, you know, you're a you're a, you're a try to sort of classical guy, not classical music, <laughs> but uh, you you're into quality stuff. I have found. I am really i'm really into gangster rap yeah. and my defense is i fucking lived through those times yes i may have been a small yeah. kid in a small town in <laughs> australia nowhere near la and compton and south yeah. and all that shit right true true however i was listening to public enemy at the time was listening to uh to the, the rappers at the time ice t i didn't have him my 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 next door neighbor who was a couple of years old had him and i was like what yeah. is this nwa oh my god they're saying fuck oh my god we yeah. gotta turn down the radio i got my fucking poison album on with the long hair and the shit and yeah. i turned down the rude word like i self-censor oh. it on the home stereo <laughs> by turning down the volume like i'm already a little sound engineer because i thought that we shouldn't be saying the rude word no that's I don't know what it is. Somehow I just knew not to do it. I don't think I may have been overprotective. So, yeah, I am drawn, like, sometimes to rap, I am drawn like fucking crack cocaine. Yeah. Like that, I cannot get over the Biggie Smalls album, yeah. right? Ready to Die. It is just crack to me. Like, I, I, I can't listen to it. I have to not listen to it mm. for like four weeks because. And then it's it's like going back to the drug again, and yeah. then you have a hit. And like I took a hit over the weekend, and it was fucking great. Yeah. I was bros fucking bouncing out to that album. It was awesome. Yeah, can't get it out of my head right so, now. Yeah, you don't want to sort of wear it out. You you want to sort of you know, because yeah. if you know if you don't limit yourself, just gonna listen to it all the time. And yeah, it's like chasing the dragon if you're taking drugs. Like if yeah. you like you keep going, I'll get hit the high back, man. Yeah. Like nah, that shit's just fucking turning around and there's noggin all day every day. So yeah, sometimes the and that fucking wordplay, you just go, oh, dude, the, oh, the words are good. Yeah. The words appeal. Oh, yeah. like how talented that must be. Yeah, you can appreciate it, even though you're, you're not, uh, you don't live in the same circumstances. We are. We are true. See, we're real artists. Yeah. Aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I need to, uh, we're going to have a toilet break right now and open the window. So well, I'm going to play our little uh, toilet break track today. Uh, the toilet break music. I wish I should have brought that up. No, we're gonna play. I feel the mood fits the mood. Here we go. Smashing Pumpkins, 1979, the year I was born. Now I'm going back to sounding like a music broadcaster, because that's where I first did. I did community radio, and uh, for years I thought I was gonna be a radio DJ, and yeah. I thought that like, uh, yeah, that was my, yeah. and I was gonna go to radio school and shit and. I re- always really wanted to talk to people and shit, but then I could never quite work it on the radio. Mm. 
but I never quite lost that love of the radio, bring it in and talking over the music, just smooth yeah, with that yeah, kind of drive time. Yeah, your voice got that much smoother right now. <laughs> your, your physical demeanor also kind of... That's right, you come right up to the microphone. Let's go. Yeah, I've kind of got my hand, like uh, my elbow on the table here. I've got a straight back or something. I feel like I'm some yeah. shock jock. These days I'd probably Alan Jones. Just ranting on. You don't know Alan Jones? No. Oh my God. The guy from InfoWars. Oh, the... The Alex Jones. Oh, wait, what did I say? You said Alan. Alan Jones. Fuck. Alex Jones. Shit. Yeah. Shit, shit, shit. No, that reference works. I know. Right. No Alex, yes. I've got my Alex Jones reference. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go to the toilet like I promised. Very cool. <laughs> Your poster. We've uh. Water. Oh, they've been open the whole time. No, I mean, uh, what's the distance from? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're good, you're good. Yeah, yeah, it's because uh, I can control the volume a little bit here, but you're good. Close is nice. Oh, the song is gonna end. Very professional. Thank you. Yeah, I timed my P exactly. Yeah. I know Billy Corgan's lyrics. <laughs> I was like, yeah. This is humming that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we're going to come out of that song. I got some water. Um, yeah, we decked out the office and we've got one of uh, 
a poster. I've got Ardo's super photoshopped face. Yeah. What what show is that? I can't even see it from here. That's the first uh, Estonian language tour comedy Estonia did. Oh, right. SMNAS to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. How audacious were me first? How were we first in the language, guys, like naming our tour? Yeah. That? Paid off. I guess so in the end. Yeah. Now that I kind of think back, I'm like, God, we sound like arrogant pieces of shit a little <laughs> bit. But yeah, I guess sort of it was okay. It kind of. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, a, that's also sort of like being very overly critical, yeah. perhaps looking back. But you need, you need that sort of bravado, I guess, to make it happen. Yeah, I guess you do. It it is a borderline, but yeah, you need some nuts. You need to be able to to push out. You were on. Uh, oh wait, before I get to that. Um, speaking of that, yeah, television on this morning. So how's yeah. that for you? Like, uh, well, what I don't like about it is the early uh, morning. That's it. That's the hardest part. Yeah. But yeah. I'm... So you go there. You read through the papers with Dan. Yeah, and it it's sort of um, I don't know. I enjoy it. I enjoyed that. Do you think so, the hosts were confused by you or how do you think? Did they get it, you think? I don't think they're really used to that kind of uh, guest or guests. Sure. Well, yeah. It was just you guys cracking jokes, right? You're looking at the things, saying yeah. the articles, cracking jokes about and what's that, going yeah, on. Yeah, and also like not being overly serious. Because mm. I think that's sort of like maybe a while back, a few years back when I, I actually think I did uh, the same sort of show with Sander a few years back right but then I would have sort of treated this as oh this is this is TV you know I have to be like really I have to do this careful analysis of this news article right now but now I I know like they they say like you should all pick like three articles we have six articles that you you know take apart and and I'm like I know they're not gonna need those that many articles we're just gonna talk some bullshit <laughs> try to have fun and uh, the time will just pass mm. Right, so yeah, sort of treat it this is not as serious as I would a few years back, but I think that's good, you know. I think it's very good, yeah, because yeah. you have to feel feel more free, uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, th- I thought it was a fun thing to do, you know. <laughs> it was cool. Some <laughs> I like the Eminem lyric, you know. Sometimes I just want to get on TV and just let loose. <laughs> 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 so yeah, let's. Hopefully, there's a, there's a, there's a many years of I think of so. all I think sorts of TV per- performances waiting. Most guests that I see, and I don't mean disrespect to people on that show, but I think they just have a lot of regular people on there, and it's early in the morning, and they're not used to being on camera or performing yeah. or anything. So a lot of people look like a little bit lifeless and on morning TV. I mean, all yeah. kind of morning TVs, right? But I just that's the only show I watch. So because that's just like it takes fucking work. Yeah, to absolutely. Be like, yeah, guys, we're into it today, the next day, and, yeah. and to keep that going, that sunshine, and you saw those lights are fucking bright in there. Yeah. Those huge old Soviet studio lights they've got, yeah, hanging from the roof there. Not the most flattering. Yeah, they're just strong, but it's all about how you're viewed in the. Because I watch, I couldn't see you, so I watched sort of like I think it was the sound guy, kind of watched over his shoulder, yeah. and that seemed to be in sync, so mm. it wasn't uh, too far out. But yeah, like it, to look proper, they've got to basically fucking blind you in the face. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it's also interesting, like how you you go do five minutes on TV and you get this whole like makeup treatment and everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you got to sit in the chair this morning. Um, yeah, it was cool. I, I think you guys did well, and I mean, you, you're great at writing jokes, and and Dan is kind of his expertise is the news yeah. and picking that apart these days. 
So, uh, yeah, I like that combination. Yeah. It's, it's also sort of a, uh, an opportunity to sort of, I guess, push yourself because you know, it, it still is live TV, right? Mm. So sort of try to, the more, the more experience you get with that, the more comfortable you're going to be. So this is true. I hope like if there are more possibilities to do that kind of stuff, then a few years later, maybe I'll, I'll be able to look at myself on TV and not be like, Ugh. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about, uh, one of my favorite topics, uh, how as a comedian and artist, how you view, uh, sponsorships and dealing with companies and associations and you know, that, that kind of thing. Mm. And, uh, I'll start off. This is the, this is my first regular topic. I've got a segment here on my show and my set, my show is called, can you take the Tunis Nina test (laughs) and the Tunis Nina test is a question about sponsorships and about... Because there's no one answer to my riddle. Okay. The answer is, if you got given a car to drive around in, would you take that car if the car has your name in huge fucking letters written down the side of it and you have to drive around town with you in the driver's seat with massive fucking letters down the side of the car? No. (laughs) Okay, so you couldn't have the Ardo Asperg mobile. Yeah, you don't feel comfortable with that, like getting in yeah, that and walking around. That, in that does not seem. But it's a free car, bro. Oh, you're Mr. Hippie. You already get around. Like, I already have a driver. His name's Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck do I need a driver for? <laughs> Come on, Merrily too. Come on. <laughs> I I think I would have to. Maybe it, I will be at that stage sometime in the future. Hmm. But like, yeah, if if I had to do it, I would just, I guess, tell them to just like make it even more ridiculous. Just like, it's like. Right, it's got to be over the top, yeah, like obviously a joke. If, okay. Otherwise, it's just douchey, but let's just mm. make it over the top and like put, in that case, put some more like insane stuff like. Say some crazy stuff on the car. I'll drive around in it. And that could make you hack it. Like, yeah, okay. That's how you yeah, could justify yeah. that to yourself. Yeah, because cause then it's funny, you know, then it's... And then, again, it's, it's sort of my control. Okay, all right. So, you've got artistic control. That's yeah. true. I didn't specify the letters. You're right. I didn't... I mean, I could... Maybe I should change the premise for this and say it's got to be in that fucking handwriting to really, uh, like, that really... Like, I think there's no easy answer to this question. This, this is not actually here to pick on Dennis. This is, like, meant to be a question to be, like... Because there's a whole bunch of different sides to it, right? But the other one is like, that's fucking that douchey fucking signature. I don't know if I do that kind of signature writing. Yeah. But okay, you could have massive letters, maybe some flames, Ardo Asperk. But what about, what about if it was a better car? What about, I don't know, it's got a fucking nice BMW. Um, Would that change the game I mean, for you? I, I, I mean, it clearly would at some stage, but... Yeah, but the thing is, just, I, I don't really care that much you know mm. about whether it's like an audi or a bmw or whatever car denise drives <laughs> it's a skoda actually he's a very humble dude well the police drive skoda so there we go you know that's not too bad well you know, it means they're reliable it means you can scare what it means is you can scare the fuck out of people what my dad used to do my dad had exactly the same situation when he was younger or when he was working he had the the car that was like the base model of the police car yeah and so he had a big fucking aerial on the back of the car 
And he, because he was like a salesman, he had to have a blue collared shirt on. Okay. And, you know, like just like a proper oh, collared that, shirt. That, that was like, you, you had to have. Well, he was of. like going to businesses. Like he was, uh, he used to go around different coal mines. Yeah. And uh, he was working with like filters and. Right, right. Rubber, so like sell them in. Like, like proper salesman. Yeah, like, proper salesman. Like yeah. someone with gold chains. No, 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 nothing like that. <laughs> no, works for another company and would go see all of his clients pre-internet. Yeah. Like we're talking phone booth shit to call people like. There was no automated channel, no automated B2B supply chain channels back then. And uh, yeah, so he would have, so he would look, you know, kind of reasonable. So he'd have a blue shirt with a big collar. So they, people would fucking go, whoa, and buy them. He could come up behind. Yeah. He's got the fucking aerial. He's got the blue collared shirt and he's got exactly the right car. And they go, motherfucker. And you just see them go, <laughs> woo, brakes all the way back. So you could do that, you know, maybe... Maybe Tunis wants to go put his yeah, outfit yeah. on one of his acting things. Okay, so because you're a humble dude and so car doesn't like... I was thinking like what happens if you go all the way to the end and like it'll be a fucking Lamborghini. But then that would satisfy your ridiculous criteria. Oh, yeah. Which like it could be in the most formal fucking letters, but Ardo's driving around in a Lamborghini. Yeah, just just, just, just uh, on the streets of talent. Just... <laughs> I, I, I don't even picture like I can't leave the parking lot with this thing. <laughs> That's um I mean your the um the images that we've done for your specials have all been very I mean, classy I think uh really nice looking well done ones you know in a real yeah, for, classical style for the new one for the new one yeah. particularly but I think we need one where you've got a fucking cheap suit on you stepping out of the Lamborghini with the sunshades <laughs> Miami Vice style you got a pink suit on it, it doesn't fit properly there's kind of a thin gold chain hanging off there you're looking like Don Johnson this is like mm. this is special number three yeah, I'm yeah. sure of it yeah I think it's yeah it's it's all a bit uh, uh, dependent on like I have to get there. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe I'll do it in in the future someday. I'll make you this deal as your manager. If you agree to that, I will rent the Lamborghini. Even if I have to do it for my money, I'll rent the Lamborghini that we use in that shoot. That would be hilarious to kind of have you in that. You can you can go yeah. down that place. Actually, it's not really that hard. Hmm. You just go down to. Uh, uh, I think it's that place down at uh, Laiva Cux, oh, uh, yeah. the Navigator Center or whatever they yeah, sell them yeah, down yeah. there. Uh, I was in a some shoot with them once, and they just put, they basically put the Lamborghini on the back of a fucking truck, like they ain't just driving it around. Yeah, like you got to pay for it to be trucked there. It fucking comes off the back, you pose with it, and then it goes back on the back of the truck, okay, okay. and you know somewhere well, else. Now, now it's now it's uh, on air. Let's say. <laughs> It's on the podcast, so we're going to have to do it. It's something. committed to. We're going to have yeah. the Lamborghini with the Miami Vice-style yeah. shoot. I'll have my entire tour budget, you know, <laughs> be blown by this photo shoot. <laughs> Sorry. There's nothing. We can't perform a gang club. Sorry, we've got nothing. We can't perform an alibi bar. And yeah. These are all far too fancy venues. But uh, when we show up, we're going to look fucking awesome, yeah. though. I'll be, I'll be like on the street corner yelling. Because we don't have money for a mic either. <laughs> Actually, in that sense, if if somebody like it's my I don't know number number seven special or whatever, mm. right? And then somebody sort of offers, "Hey, we'll give it to you for free," you know? Sure, why not? So okay, if it's a free Lamborghini, yeah, he he's got low it's standards, everybody. Shoot, yeah. Hey, dude, I'll only take the Lamborghini if it's free. Yeah. Okay, I like I that. Want your... <laughs> want your pesky fucking Lamborghini? Um, gaudy looking <laughs> gaudy looking yeah um yeah fair enough so with the car thing and i'm not 
the reason that I'm bringing this up is I'm not trying to rag on Tonus, like say that, oh, that's bad. It's just an example because, uh, you know, he's that car. Okay. It's a cool car for him. Right on. Yeah. Great. Um, and it's basically like, well, do I lease a car? It's, it does come down to money, mm. amount of money that that car is worth. It's not really about, oh, I get a car because I think what, and I think what a lot of young performers get kind of locked, trapped into a little bit is that if they give you shit, it feels way better than if they just give you the money. Mm. I think I talked about this before on the podcast, the shoes that uh, the shoe company gave me the shoes and I was like yeah. fucking over the moon. I, yeah. I've got them on. I think they're the greatest pair of shoes that I've ever owned, but I think every pair of shoes is the greatest shoes I've ever yeah. owned, of course. Uh, did, did you get to you get you got to pick the ones? I got to pick that, them, right, right? And it was oh, eighty yeah, euros. Really I mean, it's eighty euros. That's what a pair of those shoes are worth, right? It's, yeah. And I felt fucking great. And you can't, but you can't fall into that trap of it's still only eighty euros mm. worth of value. Yeah, because yeah, because it's when they give you shoes, it seems like like that's more, right? Shoes, yeah. they're but then great. you sort of put in one eighty euros. It's, well, it's not. That's not like some sort of outer space sum. Yeah, it's not for the amount of like, I don't get that much emotion from 80 euros, but I get a lot of emotion from these shoes. So, but what you need to do in that case, I think, is bring the car just back to what is the lease value of that car. So, to lease that car, it would cost, I don't know, 200 euros a month. I'm not sure how much it costs to lease a fucking Skoda. Um, So, you just go, okay, well, what I'm doing is I'm driving around in this car to save 200 euros a month. Is that worth it for me? Hmm. Um, or you know what are they okay they throw in the petrol they throw in the servicing that's all just okay now they're paying me yeah. 400 a month and you got to bring it back to that dollar value now that doesn't sound like very much I want to point out here I'm sure Tonus is getting a good you know deal here right I'm certainly not yeah. implying with my made up numbers that he's <laughs> in any way getting a bad deal I'm sure he's a very shrewd businessman and I'm sure that it's all being compensated. You know, they they seem to have a deal. I bet you like have a full breakdown of like the <laughs> taxes and his like daily budget. <laughs> you know, his Remy receipts. I'm keeping track. I would keep track of him. His Remy's receipts better than I keep track of mine. Accountant doesn't like me very much. Uh, yes. yeah. But yeah, but like Tony's also. I don't. I don't know for sure, but I think he's he's a father, right? Exactly. He has yes. kids. He has a family. So. That puts it in a in a bit of a different perspective here. I I don't really have any you know. I have to look after myself, but that's basically it, right? If I if I had to you know support a family, maybe you know I can sort of see why he would take those deals. This is a very good point, and for sure, like you make changes. Like uh, uh, who was it? Like uh, yeah, there's. I was trying to say now I shouldn't really say names. Um, yeah, there's a lot of artists. Like you 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 just. Like when we're trying to bring big artists to Estonia, uh, you know, one of the big impediments is just that small population size. We don't have a massive hall here for thousands upon thousands. So you just can't get that many tickets. And Estonians at their average wage level um, can only afford so much reasonably. Mm -hmm. Um, And unless it's fucking have, you know, literally rock icon Guns N' Roses coming, yeah. you know, then everyone forks over the cash, but also music is different to stand-up, so that's a different yeah. thing. I'm getting off track. Uh, wait, what was I talking about? I'm talking about, like, Tonina has a family and that... Yes, everything changes. Everything yeah. changes. And a lot... Yeah, that's my point. We don't have always have the most amount of money to offer. Um, and then sometimes, you know, the artist just says no. And, mm. you know, it, that doesn't mean that 
the artist is a dick. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're pretentious or nothing like that. And, you know, it can be, you know, and sometimes they actually say like, no, actually this artist is really thinking about his career and his family right now and is looking at that situation. Mm. So they've decided not to go with offers under this amount yeah. of income because of that. And you go, hey, that's cool. Or you can imply it. Maybe you just know that performer and, you know, like, yeah, they, I, he has told a lot of stories about his kid. He's a family mm. guy. So it makes sense. They wouldn't fuck around, you know, when apparently I wouldn't know it, but apparently when you have a proper relationship and kids, you stop fucking around uh, in life. Yeah, if, you, mm. if you're a decent person. If you're a I decent guess. person. And yeah, you start going, no, I need to get paid this much or this yeah. is what I can reasonably expect to earn. And uh, for the good of my kids, I got to get the maximum. Yeah. I can't really afford to fuck around in Estonia. You know, that would be fun. Maybe five years ago, I would have loved that shit. Yeah. But nowadays, I got to focus on my earning potential. Yeah, and it does sound a little bit because uh, it's coming from an artist and a performer and a celebrity. It can sound a little bit like, oh, they're thinking of their maximum money. They're not in it for the art anymore. Mm. They're not doing it for what are their reasons for producing? And you got to remember, this is a job for them too. Yeah, and they're just like you. You would go for that better paying job. Your family comes along. You might switch to that job that's slightly less. Uh, I feel I'm away from the mic. You, that, that's slightly less whatever hip or cool or has less travel or something like that because you're like, fuck, well, this because it pays 20000 more mm. a year and my family needs that. Um, yeah, so it can be exactly the same when it comes to artists, I think. And we're going to try to remember, like, yeah. They're people too. Yeah, and you, you can't really sort of expect artists to just, oh, he should just produce like real quality content at like great rate and just give it to us for like free and not expect anything in return like ever you know that reminds me your first album is on spotify apple yeah. i've never looked at that we should look <laughs> that up at some stage yeah i, I, I mean i doubt there's much on those platforms right we uploaded maybe we'll go through it right now i know it's I know uh it's right on now. i looked it up on youtube which Okay, that's been our main one. Yeah, it has about thirty thousand views, which I think is it's nice. nice. It's pretty good for the fact that it's an audio. Yes, now we're recording, and YouTube fucking hates those. Yeah. Oh yeah, YouTube's not about this shit. It wants video. It wants you're engaged. It wants your eyeballs. It doesn't want yeah, something yeah, that yeah. you can only listen to with audio. Hey, okay. Well, I go to Apple Music and I type in auto. You auto complete. Wait, how many letters do you auto complete after? You auto-complete... Oh, maybe because I've already searched for you. Ardo. Mm. Oh, okay. You're a previous search. <laughs> look, anyway. Look, it comes up. Ardo Asbuk. Yep, you're an artist. You're here. There's your album. Yeah. But official. I think from here, we don't see how many downloads you've got. I think there was that interface Ooh. that we need to go to. So, it's there. Okay. So, you can get so, that first. Yeah. Like, is, is that like you're an Apple Music? Uh, is that like... Do people download from out there or do they just listen to it? There's two ways. With Apple like, Music... Does it have two different sets of statistics or... Yeah, and that's what I'm not entirely... Because they call it Apple Music and... Because one's the one iTunes store mm. and the other one is the Apple Music, which is like the Netflix of thing. You can just... Okay. You pay and you listen to whatever. and ah. uh, inc You can pay and including yours. And you are supposed to get some level of royalty off that comes out of their subscription, whatever yeah. microns of a cent yeah. that would come out of that. Uh, then all the other one would be that, okay, you just buy the album off the iTunes store and you get uh, some sort of file that's not uh, a rights, like it's not DRM protected mm. or something apparently. 
So that would be two. I, I haven't even looked. I'm not sure. I have a feeling you probably can't buy the album, but you can stream it if you're on that or Spotify and it's on a few other things as well. Yeah. We should go back because sometimes that can be a sleeper thing. And it's on Spotify. I wonder if Spotify even realized that it's on Spotify because they're all like, they are getting more Estonian content. I wonder if they, they realize that hidden in the bowels of their service, there is already an Estonian stand-up comedy yeah. album kicking around there. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. And why don't we talk about that more? I don't know. We do a lot of shit, huh? Yeah, I think it's sort of... I mean, when it went up there, we did the... Uh, what, the posts and all that? With the posts, we had a little event. That was nice. We had a little yeah. opening ceremony, sent CDs to the press. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it was nice. People, people actually came to uh, a CD present presentation or whatever you call it uh, that's um that's a struggle these days i think in all artists it's like you want to buy you want uh, especially these days you want to sell them some merch and because mm. everyone's been going oh well if you don't have the al- album cds you still got touring you still got your merch like mm. they've been telling bands for a long time you're not getting nothing out of the record company so um yeah so merch is important um and a thing so wait what was i saying again um <laughs> what's important to uh have merch yes <laughs> i was like going with this um, i'm waiting for that too right you were you waiting were for my point who was i telling the other day about this sorry guys when i start getting forgetful about this um that you've got to have merch these days Wait, what do I think yeah. about merch? That uh, you okay? He you okay? Yes, I remember it now. Selling your special. So the difficulty is, is that we now all of our shit and our albums and stuff are all bought online. Yeah. So you, we don't really have a really good physical way yeah. to, to do this stuff. But it's really nice to buy something after a show. You see a band, you want to buy a t-shirt. Mm. Uh, you want to buy the CD. Uh, or something, and so it's really great to buy something and get them sign it, and it's you, people seem to like that physical memento. Yeah. But it's harder these days because I mean we just scraped it in with a CD. You know, people still got CD players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can probably find some place to play it. Yeah, and in, I guess in your car, in your car, uh, right? The older CD player yeah. you have, and then so with uh, with Sander, then you've got DVD. And yeah. everyone like, you know, and it's like, well, Dave, what the fuck? What do you think like that's harder? Yeah, because it's like, what are we living in the year 2000 again? DVDs? Well, now we're still talking about these things. No, it's streaming. It's online. And I agree. And uh, or is a Blu-ray? I don't even have a Blu-ray player. Yeah. I don't even know how that shit fucking works. I mean, you can have 4K or something there, but it's not like we're filming in 4K. But, you know, because the weird thing is that... Um, uh, so we offer Sanders DVD as a physical thing you can buy, mm-hmm. but the DVD standard is actually lower quality than what you can get on YouTube because mm-hmm. YouTube will offer up to a 180p yeah. uh, thing, right? And uh, but but the DVD is all about being able to have something at a show yeah. and buy it. And even though yeah, it's weird, it's not the most current format, and uh, it does you know, But people so like they like to give it as a gift or something like that. Yeah. And so yeah, and then Ari tried the USB sticks. Um, and that's why I hated I, I, my friend Brendan Burns, international comedian, but he has these, he sell you a download code. 
So yeah, he's got a lot of albums, awesome albums, great videos. Yeah. Yeah, whatever he sells it for, fucking 20 pounds. It's very good value. But you get, after a show, a bit of paper. Yeah. I was like, Burns, you know, he's got a mental connection, an emotional yeah, connection absolutely. to a piece of paper that looks, li- because you literally just printed it out and cut looks it like up. like a Wi-Fi code or something. Yeah. We've got to somehow, I agree, we can't just give them a terabyte of shows there, but we've got to find something to make a bit of a memento. And the be- the closest we came was with Mikhail. Yeah. We had the USB and then the, the postcard. Yeah, that was a pretty s- smart move, I think. Yeah. Because the USB stick, I mean, it's, it's like so small. It's it, it doesn't really have the full effect mm. of now, you know, I bought this thing that, you know, I, I can sort of remember the show by. You might be onto that because I don't think the USB is ever going to be emotional yeah. for someone. You're never going to like, I don't think even in the way you looked at CDs or especially vinyl, like, I mean, even though, it, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love the, the USBs that we made for Arimati. These are beautiful. They're in metal. Mm. Yeah, we, they have them great. engraved. They look fucking great. And I'm really, really, so maybe I've proved my own point wrong with this one. But I just felt as a general case, because we spent time and we really worked on getting a really nice one and getting it engraved. And that was way yeah. too much work. And I think it was like a total cost price just for the thing we sold it at because we really wanted to make it look great. But if you just get any generic USB key, I don't know, bro. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's that USB key I saw. Remember our first date? We've got the USB key here. <laughs> the fuck? Yes. There's no magic in it, really. Hmm. Even those ones that some of them now are shaped like credit cards or the size of a credit card. And then the mm. USB thing kind of flops out and opens up. Um, I'm still there. Uh, uh, yeah, even there, they're like, oh, Kai Humphreys had one of those. Yeah, again, again, I like it. But maybe if he signed it, I don't know. But then yeah. we'll think about the, oh, now I'm going deep. I'm going deep, bro. I'm sorry. Like the consumption of it. So you kind of know the workflow of that with a DVD which is going to be like, well, they've probably got a DVD player. Maybe it's a PlayStation. Maybe mm-hmm. it's whatever, some Xbox. But they're going to open up the thing, put the CD in, sit down on their couch, fucking watch it. Yeah. You don't know as much about the experience when it's a USB stick. Mm. Are they going to plug it into their TV? Do they have the home server? Are we all watching it off the laptop? I'm not saying this stuff's bad. That's what we do now, right? Everyone's More people watch it, Netflix on their frigging phones. Yeah. Uh, but you don't kind of... Uh, it's definitely a less of well. There's a ritual almost yeah. to putting the DVD in. Yeah, it's, it's popcorn. Sort of like you make the viewing an event. Yeah, right. Especially if you've got a nice home yeah. theater or something like yeah. that. Whilst, yeah, I guess sort of if you watch it on the computer, you could be you know on the bus or on the train, you know, mm. just to pass time, watch that thing. Right. So then the question then becomes not that we want to fight the progress that is going to happen. We are going to distribute what we do digitally and people are going to consume it in every fucking kind of place. Yeah. I think the question then becomes how to make that still emotional. Yeah. I don't have an answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. Don't try and fight it. Instead, just try to make the new thing emotional rather than going, oh, so, yeah. it's no good. So do you think like it's, so you would like position the emotional aspect over the, I guess, practical aspect of it. Oh, something because I guess maybe a CD isn't as practical as, or a DVD isn't as practical as a as a USB, but you get the you know the full uh, package. No, I think not. Only under 
special circumstances. So with your merch for what we're doing with you guys, I think that's the coolest fucking shit ever. And I love doing it. And I think it's great. And people really get into it after shows. So I'm like, let's take the extra time to do that. Because that's mm. just fun to do. Um, it's fun to make the DVD and get it printed. And you get a whole box of these things. Yeah. And then you got to be like, Sander, sign them all. He's like, all right. And you know, he looks like he looks like some guy's got a limp hand at the end of it. Like he's some sixteen-year-old who's just come from the bedroom from a three-hour yeah. jack-off session. He's got a sore wrist. He's got like the carpal tunnel or whatever. Yeah, it, the 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 whole thing is fun, and the selling is fun, and to be there. But if we're talking about like getting serious about distributing something and going, hey, I really want uh, your special to be on as many music platforms as possible mm. or the next one where we film, I want it to be on all the services, then I think you've got to get serious about it. And then you've got to find the places that offer the least resistance for people. Um, yeah, so I think it needs to be least resistance. And uh, you know, for example, Sander's special is on Telia for free. Yeah. Um, so there is resistance that you've got to be on Telia. But then we tried to remove the resistance that it's for free. So you yeah, don't have to pay for it. And like Delia is all also, I guess, the most common uh, mm. service in Estonia. So you've got the most. But the problem is we weren't, we didn't have a good way to monetize the buying or streaming of that um, while still staying inside of a service that's pretty well known. Now, mm. and I know, look, I in Estonia, there's a so a few, so many. Sorry, I won't. I've, I wrote down my goal yesterday: stop using superlatives, the, the big words. Stop yeah. using exaggerations. So I won't use exaggerations. There are several very cool startup companies in Estonia that are particularly dealing with this problem of streaming and how to. I've got this footage. How can I easily get it out there? Blah blah blah. So it's not like such services don't exist. I'm not saying mm. that. What I'm saying is it needs to be the least resistance as possible. Yeah. So if you've got Telia, there's no resistance. But there is if you haven't got it. There's something there. So there's there. I, the, the, the moment will come when we can do pay-per-view on YouTube because mm. it's got the reach of YouTube, but it's got the practicality. And when that YouTube shit is baked in, so you don't have to do nothing. You just sit in your couch, you logged into YouTube and it's like, hey, you can watch the next special from Ardo for five bucks. And you're like, I love Ardo. Five bucks is a great deal. Done. And that it's like a button press and it charges your YouTube account or whatever. And then we, obviously, they're going to take a cut and then we get that. Yeah. And when that is reduced to that level of resistance, then I'm in, baby. Then I think, because then I think, and um, to be fair to people at home, like we just want to, yeah, we're trying to live as well. So, okay, there will be in future pop, you know, maybe we put a little price on it or something. Mm. But yeah, I'm trying to find that way that makes it as easy for people as possible. Yeah. That right. it shouldn't be hard to watch our shit and that when you watch our shit, it should be a good price. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't really want people to have to like dig for, for like ages to find it. But like that's that uh, pay-per-view YouTube, like that's, that exists right I think it's now. coming. I, I've heard that something like that exists for like in beta, maybe mm. with a lot of subscribers or something. Because then I would imagine like you have your YouTube account, which is basically your Google account, right? Mm. And you would then have to have your credit card information on it. Sure. Somehow it's linked in. I'm not, you know, I haven't really thought through how they're going to do it, right? Yeah, but just but that, because it, to me, just idea. YouTube is the, the, the place. 
like yeah. for video you gotta be there yeah absolutely to yeah, be absolutely. on video if you, if you want like the most easiest place for people to find it then it just yeah has to be youtube mm. so it's got to be there yeah um but what about you've been uh i feel like i'm feel self-conscious all of a sudden like we're doing flagrant self-promotion for merch i really didn't mean it like that no i didn't didn't okay. even cross my it mind. didn't come across like that. Should have yeah. shut my mouth up. But with uh, you and Carl now, I've really taken over the podcast Coolerpod. How's that going for you? Because now you kind of like Coolerpod was sort of this evolving thing for a while, yeah. and but now you and Carl have gone. Nah, it's ours. We're taking it, and you're making something of it. Yeah, I, I think the podcast is, uh, in the least, it, it, it's a good uh, sort of practice, right? Sort of try to you know fill an hour fill two you know mm. and try to sort of you know uh you know just riff riff on stuff you know so i think it's good practice personally to sort of develop more you know another side than just a regular stand-up mm. and yeah i think it's uh i i don't think we're really trying to like make this about like some deep topics or subjects or something but we just try to you know keep it light and uh, just have fun with it have some nice entertainment for people yeah it's it's sort of like a sort of an easy podcast to listen to if you're just in the mood for some silly shit and stuff like that yeah but but yeah carl carl has really been uh uh it's been really doing well like just sort of you know mm. keeping it uh, alive and then he brought me in and like it's been really fun to sort of do these different episodes and bring some other comedians in there as guests and uh, you know so it's sort of it's 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 part just really silly absurd you know humor that Gulabod I guess is known for mm. before and partly sort of just uh, I guess a chronicle of what goes on in comedy Estonia at the moment it is you're right in that way that yeah. of course we all gather together. That's still the main kind of voice for that those kind of stories. Yeah, because we sort of bring new comedians uh, on and like you know did an episode with Gus Butter. Oh yeah, how'd that go? Yeah, oh really good. Because mm. uh, I think the best the best indication of it is that I guess Carl uh, always has like some stuff planned out just in case, right? Mm. But uh, you know when an episode is good when you don't really need to rely on the structure that much. Because it uh, the the conversation and the jokes just flow right, mm. so we got we got a good two episodes out of that. Oh, good. Do you split them up? Do you? Or, uh, what, or like it was a one it was one session and then it gets split. I think yeah, Carl yeah, said it does. Yeah, that. mostly yeah. I mean, one episode what we did at late night at Gen Club was like two and a half hours or something, which <laughs> yeah. is talking about Pokemon with Mika <laughs> and Rauno. <laughs> Mind you, then again, this one's already coming along at the two hour mark, but. I know, but that's different. I want yeah. that's how I would that's how I wanted this yeah, one. That, it is sort of interesting that it's such a long format of just people talking, but people, you know, right. the listeners, they really get into it. Mm, I'm trying to just like just I, I decided to go longer just because I like it. I'm really compelled by this format of just talking for a while. Um, but also, it's like yeah, you can just not listen as well. Like it's cool. Like yeah. I didn't feel the need to kind of go like. Here's three hours, but I'm going to give it to you in one-hour chunks. No mm. disrespect, Carl. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or just like, yeah, like how, how, do you, you know, how does someone feel about an episode or, or something like that? So um, I think for me, it's like I love 
how much all this shit breaks the rules of media mm. that I'm like, I want to break all the rules, guys. Okay, guys, we're going to line up everything that we have. We're going to break everything. Even rules about Can sexual have, orientation. Break them all. Break everything. We're going to break in this podcast. Every rule of broadcasting we're going to break, uh, except sitting here with microphones and headphones on. I had to keep that rule. We've, all, we've both got headphones on here. Um, who do you think... Um, who do you uh, in comedy Estonia whose comedy do you like the most just personally like who hits you mm. <laughs> oh that's very different and, uh, uh, I yeah. think uh, I'm not sure I've even thought about this question myself yeah I think the most uh like biggest influence maybe the guy who influ influenced me to even like do stand-up in Estonian was Sander mm. Sander Egos. Uh but I uh, I also like really like um, when let's say Ari is really like uh, just killing on stage he's on a roll and then I sort of see uh, comedy working on like a different uh, level like on a more subconscious level like wh i remember when i was uh touring with phil uh nickel two years right. back yeah i had mm -hmm. the opportunity to do it like you remember like he's really a high energy guy it does like these you know songs and whatever mm. and i think it was in tartu in vilde where he just smashed it right yeah those two gigs he was amazing the crowd was just i mean they couldn't breathe mm. right and and the jokes and whatnot logically looking at him on paper you know wouldn't get it but mm. but just the uh the atmosphere he created on stage and how it affected people was some i think some sort of a subconscious level uh so i think uh, i like when ari is really on a role i think he's sort of gotten to that point or close to it mm. right yeah so that's been very uh, fascinating to see Oh, we called Dan and I called him this morning. Dan stayed at my place. And then Dan, because he's like a OCD journalist these days that he just yeah. goes, someone's mentioned and all of a sudden the phone's up and he's just calling. And uh, oh, yeah, and yeah. then I call and that inspired me because I'm terrible with phone calls and I'm really trying to make phone calls. But I, I just, I don't know what it is. I fucking hate picking up the phone and talking. So I really have to push myself. It's like my next thing I'm working on. I sound like a fucking special needs <laughs> kid, I know. Um so then I picked up and talked to him for a while and he was working, he works at this dispensary, like yeah. a weed dispensary. And I swear to God, he was saying they had um, uh, like, a, like with the staff meeting and they all had to try the shit so they could <laughs> recommend it. And I was like, dude, how do you fucking smoke a bit and then try something else? How It's not like wine, yeah. you can spit it out. Yeah. <laughs> you One would taint the image of the other. How does that even, and I don't know, they have this session. Yeah, they, they hadn't thought it out. <laughs> yeah, right, I guess so. They'd had the first blunt and then gone, yeah, yeah we'll just have some more. This is great. I think it's just a giant excuse. <laughs> yes. That's so nuts that they all like, because that's just legal and they can just sit around and do that. Yeah. And that's a business and they have, that's a legit staff meeting they would have. Yeah, and you sort of see that it it works, right? Yeah, it seems to. It it's it seems something that it works abroad. So, I mean, if people were, I guess, politicians were smart here, they could try to implement the same thing here. Mm. I can't. I would like that. I don't think I can see it happening anytime soon. No, me neither. I right? just don't see many I, of them being interested in it. I, yeah, I think in the 
current like cultural climate the uh, politicians like yeah they have nothing to win really right and no one seems to want to stick their neck out yeah, these days because the demographic group that would be really into it is just not substantial enough <laughs> i mean most most people still don't really have any good idea about this and think it's just like some you know mm. shooting up heroin it would be very it sounds like something would be right very now. easy for ECRA to take on and then mobilize their yeah. you know to sort of give a rhetoric of like it's bad blah 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 terrible and then sort of to yeah well, you can almost see it giving them like do you think it might even be fuel to their fire like maybe that's one reason to even not try and push some uh, well, any well, Ekra is going to try and jump on any controversial social bill. Yeah. Something about immigrants, yes. something about drugs, something about fucking spies. Yeah, I think that uh, yeah, there might be truth to that. Mm. But I think yeah, I think pretty much every political party would probably, if they see that there's there's a way to get on the public's good side, or at least the good side of most of the public, then they would just jump on the uh, bandwagon. But yeah, I can't see that. I can't see that groundswell yeah. happening. I can't see that like big rising up thing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think most people really. They would like to perhaps see it happen, but not enough. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, yeah, that would be nice. Would you like that? Yeah, sure. Are you gonna walk outside and protest about it? Yeah. yeah. Nah. Are you gonna Are nah. you gonna be the the nah. weed guy who just <laughs> spends his life on that one cause? It it is sticking your neck out a little bit here. Like, yeah, it's like, is it a? Is, is this such? How close is this issue to your heart that, uh, yeah, you would need to stick your neck out a little bit. And then, yeah, anyway, it doesn't seem to be what they're in for. Um, but yeah, talking about Ari and his stuff. Yeah, because he's, but also his style is, uh, I mean, it's almost, because it's got so many elements that um, are opposite to yours. So, I mean, he's also well-written, but he's embraced the physical. Yeah. And you've certainly worked that in a lot, uh, both in your act. Um yeah, so I can see you guys. Oh no, opposites was a bad word. Sorry, it sounds a bit rude. Complementary, let's mm. say to one another. You've got complementary styles that the the, yeah. you know, the the joke writing and but he's got the physical and so forth. But I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, just uh, I think Ari's uh, writing, especially uh, while being in Estonia, really sort of took off. Like that, I think it had a really beneficial sort of uh, effect on him. Mm. and so that's why i think his stuff works so well that when he does these like you know i mean some you know talks about quite so deep subjects like i love his like vmc killers bit <laughs> he talks about like these just burnt out like fathers who just hate their life hate their job and just they come home they sit in their cars like for half an hour before going into the house right mm. and when he does those bits and and he has all the you know the physical comedy to back that up to see that all working together that's just so great you know and i, th I think mm. it is i, I think uh myself uh even though i've i guess i started doing very like one-liner type comedy it's not really the type that i watch or like to watch the most mm. um what do you watch the most I guess uh, I like. Well, if you were to like ask 
my favorite comedians and whatnot, then I guess obviously Bill Burr and uh, okay. Louis C.K. and That uh, would be a good follow-on question. Really I'm sure we go for that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but, Louis C.K., Bill Burr, okay, this stuff. Yeah, yeah, but also like, like Chris Rock. Mm. Of course, yeah. I mean, classics, of course. Yeah, because I, mean, I think like he, Chris Rock is very high energy, mm. but he also talks about a lot of, you know, very deep stuff. His stand-up, mm. if, you, if you look at it, really, it's a very smart... Right. Oh, that right. last special. Oh, God, it was yeah. beautiful. Oh, and God, that Bo Burnham directing. Was yeah. Just, oh. And I just love how it's not, it's not like on the nose uh, that someone's, you know, like preaching to you or talking, I'm going to talk about this subject right now. But he, it's, it's just the, the delivery and the jokes, they, they sort of like hide, hide it in a good way that he's talking about something really deep that he just... It just effortlessly brings the subject to your attention mm. without seeming like like oh now he's starting to preach. Yeah, that fine line of yeah. uh, of right doesn't want to come on too strong and great. And Chris Rock does that very well, especially in his last special of uh, and you can look very clearly that the way that he uh, mocks himself before yeah. and then goes after his ex wife, I think it was, yeah. and then uh, later on goes into that. So he's very carefully set that up to. Uh, yeah, to, to to take that audience on that journey and to very carefully chart how they feel about him in that moment yeah. before he gets into that because you can't just go for the throat straight away. You know, yeah, you got to work I mean, up to stuff. You gotta, yeah, I mean, he, he he knows how to do it. He has that much. You know, true. he's master of his craft. And I guess uh, I like David Tell too. I mean, he is sort of a you know joke, joke, joke comedian, but the way he does it is kind of different. I really. I don't even really know how to sort of explain it, but it just is. I mean, I guess I would say that... All those comedians are Americans. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think I... Because I, I like the sort of... A bit like, you know, maybe larger than life. Maybe a bit silly, you know. Not, not li I don't really like something that's like very dry or deadpan, actually. I like when there's some physicality where, where it's a bit ridiculous even. What's right. ridiculous is looking at you with a straight face telling me that <laughs> when you stand on stage. <laughs> no, I really like to be animated, Lewis. Yeah, I really need to think of... Well, yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, the, that's the sort of stuff like I like to watch. I don't, yeah, sure. I don't really care much for, for you know, very, very dry. Mm. Sort of very, very, you know, serious and oh, I'm very witty now. That sort of thing. Right, so I, I think that... Because I think... Uh, with those comedians that I, you know, brought examples of, I think you, you can sort of tell that they're having fun mm. on stage, you know, so it's not like something clinical, even though perhaps m me myself maybe, uh, started, you know, writing jokes, uh, you know, based on a structure, but like, even then I, I love jokes. I... I when I think of some stupid one-liner, you know, I remember I was just riding on the bus and I thought of some really stupid one-liner, and I had to keep myself from laughing because someone's sitting next to me and it kind of looked like is this some drug addict here? Just, just, I don't know. <laughs> keep in mind, you look nothing like a drug addict, but yeah, okay, that's the yeah. self-doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, so, so yeah. I mean, I was still having you know a, a lot of fun with them, and I like to see comedians really sort of i guess be loose on stage have fun uh, obviously have great material but 
you know not be like this very super dry i only talk about you know very deep topics and like here are my political views and i'm not even gonna do a joke about them i'm just gonna say that guy sucks and you agree so we will applaud have you seen the new hannah gatsby special no okay all right <laughs> is, is that should, should i watch it uh I, I like it i like it a lot i like where it's going and uh i like i think that stand-up can evolve but it's mm. definitely different it's definitely not punchline heavy or driven in that way like joke 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 what she's very very good at is building tension she will mm. say things about her life or her situation that build a lot of tension and she's very clever at then deflating that and then making that and then swap flipping that around and being lovely and getting on with the story so i think that and there's a lot of humor in that and yeah. i think that's what's tripping all these comedians are having a fucking cry oh all these women and they like this comedy that's not like my comedy fucking grow up mm. all right so women connect with a different sort of artist. Fucking deal with it. That's yeah. like people just connect with different forms of artists. There's all these guys having a fucking cry that Hannah Gatsby's not real stand-up comedy and and all this shit. Like, no, people laughed at it mm. uh, and they're getting... Okay, if you want to break it down, technically, yeah, she's getting laughs in a different way. Yeah. Just because you've built the idea that a joke is set up punchline and that's it. And uh, that maybe people want to fucking take it in a different way. So I'm, I'm all right with yeah. it, right? I'm very... More like I'm like... Let's see where this goes. Yeah. I'm not denying that, that it can change so far that it may not be stand-up one day. I mean, if you keep going, you know, mm. down, I don't know, maybe add more theatrical elements or some shit, you can say at some stage it's not. Yeah. But I'm just keen to see where, fuck, this is great. Art form evolves. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I don't think sort of somebody else does something differently and they have, like, some people like it. It's not really taking anything away from you. If, I mean, if people come to see your style of show, then they probably won't, you know, gravitate over to another person who does a completely different style and stop coming to your shows. Like, and that's okay. Like, it's all yeah. right. They can like them too. They can like different things. Hey, we should, we, we've just gone over the two hour mark. We're at two hour ten. Oh, no, maybe we've got some intro stuff. Yeah. So we're gone before that. The music in between. Oh, right. We've got the music yeah. in between or anything. What are you going to do later on tonight? What have you got planned? Uh, I don't even know. Not yeah, nothing going on. Got to go shopping. Okay. Well, what, like grocery shopping? Yeah. Grocery shopping, yeah. <gasps> 24 hour sickle pilly. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. You've been doing that shit. I yeah, dropped you off there. What, what's. What's the worst thing is that I have a silver like across the street that's open until 11. <laughs> but sometimes I, I don't make it. <laughs> so I have to go to the Prisma. You're doing some late night. I love, I love like 3 a.m. shopping at the yeah. supermarket. There's no, there's just a few retards hanging around. Yeah. You can get through. No other jerk is there to get in your way. It's yeah. bliss. It's a whole different vibe. I think even mundane things at night are somehow, you know, kind of more interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was the thing for us when I mo first moved out of home. We were like, yeah, we can go shopping any hour <laughs> we want. We're just in the middle of the night, fucker. Hey, yeah. hey, guys, it's 11.30. Hey, I've had a crazy idea. Yeah. Let's drive downtown and get some groceries. Oh, wow, yeah. Lewis, you're a crazy guy. Yeah. I know, they were crazy yeah. days. Buy some milk at 11.30 and then pump some gangster rap while driving home. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, we love that. We love that loudspeaker shit in Australia. Yeah. It's coming to Estonia now, too. <laughs> I really want it. I really want the Volvo. I really want to drive down the street and you can hear this oomst, 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 oomst coming out the back of the Volvo. You're going to oh. bring it. Oh, yeah. 
just some dirty old sub, like nothing fancy, not like, oh, I've, I've been to the chop, I've been to the beautiful West Coast Customs and yeah. it's all slick and done. No, I want a dirty old sub box and a speaker hanging off the door and shit, but this shit's going to be fucking loud. So basically, at heart, you're like a, like a Puhayarva beach party. Kind of, yeah. That's where I grew up in Australia. Yeah, home and away style. I'm not joking about that. Terrible home and away is where I grew up. And uh, I love, yeah, country, New South Wales. Like, I love, like, I don't know, like, it's just in me. Yeah. Like, oh, goddamn. <laughs> I want to allow cast there, yeah. All right, we'll wrap it up then. We're going to get some food, head back. Thanks for coming in, bro. Thanks, yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I've enjoyed talking to you and I found out, ladies and gentlemen, you have found out just as much stuff about Ardo Asperger yeah. as I have today as well. At least this is uh, investigative journalism. Right. That's right. Or maybe he's just made it all up. All that shit. He's like, oh, people can't just make up stories. Oh, no. And the oh, whole okay. time, this is all a lie. <laughs> I come from it was lie. just a two-hour set <laughs> with no punchlines. But, you know, as I said, if you make up a story, it can't be that good. <laughs> True. All right. Thanks, bro. And thank you, everyone, uh, for listening. Uh, what have we got going on? Uh, coming up, if you're listening to this in English, you might uh, want to go check out. We've got Jimmy Carr coming up uh, in only like three weeks uh, in Tartu and in Thailand. And Daniel Sloss, his new stuff's gone to Netflix. Check that guy out. If you want to see some English language shows. Thanks for listening. Uh, thank you for supporting my podcast. Uh, I appreciate you getting all the way to the end. You are amazing. Thank you, Ardo, for sitting here with me. Yeah, thanks, man. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you later.